Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of What a Bob, a pollen podcast. I've got my lecky, I've got my veg, there's a beans on the way somewhere, I don't know where she is. We're gonna get started. We've got a lot to discuss, a lot has happened. Whilst we're waiting for our lovely beans, how are we all doing? Just to note we are recording this on Saturday. No, it's not Saturday. Sunday, babe. Sunday. On Sunday, the 18th of February. <laughs> so a few days after Valentine's Day, how are we doing? <laughs> That's actually like very appropriate that you did that because literally on Friday, Veg messaged the chat and she said something about, oh, I'm glad it's Friday or something like that. And I was like, oh, it's it's Friday? <laughs> no idea <laughs> like I have no concept of time space <laughs> mental well-being I feel like Robin Williams the jungle hermit in like Jumanji when he like stumbles out of the jungle and he's like what year is it like what day is it I have no idea and I just have to say for the listener for the benefit of the listener what absolute heroes Lecky and Obs have been this week like <laughs> Beans and I have you know We've, we've had a tough week too with all the Valentine's Day stuff, but like you guys were up until what time? Um, I didn't go to sleep that night. <laughs> Great. I was up all Valentine's Day. I went to sleep at just after five and I got up at seven to go to work. Fucking hell. Yeah. yeah this was obviously first week at a new job and everything. Second week at a new job. Chocolate second week, week in London and in February. Bear in mind, guys, do you remember that time when we were like, oh, from this point onwards, we're going to make fortnightly episodes. <laughs> um, How many episodes have we put out in February, given that it's only yeah. the 18th? I don't know. Yeah. We put out four full-length episodes and one mini episode and Lecky and I, <laughs> let's just say that us and sleep yeah. are not currently seeing eye to eye. We haven't happened. Yeah. I've not had them round for a while. I don't know what sleep is. Yeah. I don't expect to. Um, Lecky, we're dead, basically. That'd be Ted. <laughs> yes. It's been a very, very exciting, lovely, amazing week. Yes. We are so excited. We're still so excited. We're just tired. We <laughs> literally have spent, since Valentine's Day, basically just messaging each other theories and ideas mm-hmm. and just freaking out about everything that we got because our day finally came. It did. <laughs> yeah. Do you, like, catch yourself, like, thinking about, like... Yeah. I'll, I'll hop in the shower and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Portia and I'll get mm-hmm. out of the shower and, like, message the others about Portia and Penelope's relationship in season three. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'm like, when will my brain be free for like two seconds? <laughs> maybe like August? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes, but all the time, all the time, Veg, since you ask, where have you been all week? But other than that, we're good, I think. Yeah, no news. We haven't had time for news. We haven't had time for a life. Are you joking me? My God, it feels like we haven't stopped getting news since Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were in the wilderness weeks and like yes. the breaking news would be like, mm-hmm. there's a sticker, which it was a great sticker to be honest, but. Lost <laughs> in the wilderness. We're getting there. Hello there, everyone. Editing Ovs here. Just to let you know that we recorded this episode last Sunday. And since then, we've had so many more new crumbs, so many more bits of information come through. So at the end of the episode, stick around because Lecky and I are going to go swooping up at the churro truck and see what other things have popped out from this live stream event. So during the first part of the episode, if we say something and you're like, hmm, I'm pretty sure something else has been said about that. Well, how have you missed it? Stick around. We will mention it. Also stick around for a special little breaking crumbs update with some metadata. <laughs> of course, this is what you come to a pollen podcast for. <laughs> but in the meantime, go have fun with the past us from Sunday. So this episode, everyone, is going to be a little bit of like 
sweeping up of everything that's come out. So in our other episode the other day, we went over all the stills and everything like that. We had a chat about the clips. We gave very much just our first impressions of everything. So it's been nice to actually like sit and process, watch things and see them. Yeah. And so we're going to be digging deeper on a couple of things today. So some of the scenes we're going to be jumping into, some of the timelines, and then things like the Shondaland article we'll be digging more into. So throughout this, we're going to bounce around topics and it's going to be a bit of a mishmash of all of the press interviews that we've been getting since the event some of the things that were mentioned during the event some of the fan theories that have been bouncing around ever since then yeah and just trying to capture all and this isn't going to be comprehensive because i'm sure we'll forget to say something i'm sure there's more to say more theories to be had yeah but i just thought whilst waiting for beans just to warm warm ourselves up as if we've been called down at any point this week (laughs) so one question that i've seen a lot this week is did they play the wrong clip at the live stream (gasps) and you know what i don't know that they did i don't think so either so the theory that they did Mm. is that there's a clip and it looks like nickel is maybe saying something like did they play the wrong clip or something along those lines was like a a strange reaction to what was shown yeah kind of gasping but to be honest like they're such a huge production everything is like locked in way in advance you can't start changing things at the last moment Mm -hmm. and I think that clip was like loaded to go I think it's just the phrasing given to us was like they said oh it's the first two minutes of season three so I think everyone thought oh it's literally the first two minutes chronologically and then what ended up being showing was an excerpt from at some part in the episode which we will get to soon yeah Beans has just joined us. Hello, Beans. How are you doing, my love? I am going to be finishing my bagels while we're... Beans, I'm sure you saw that Valentine's clip that was circulating across different Netflixes where the cast were wishing viewers and fans a happy Valentine's Day. It's very lovely to see. But what interesting thing happened in the Valentine's clip? Claudia, Jesse, and Jess Madsen were doing some promo together. So we have tried to hunt it down. Like, because it was posted on, I think it's called Netflix Nordic, but it was in Norwegian. And I spoke to someone from Norway, one of our listeners in Norway, and she could see it on just the generic Netflix page, but it's got the whole gang. It seems that a lot of that was filmed the other day. Do you know when they're doing the promo mm-hmm. that we got really mm-hmm. excited about? Yeah. We yeah. did a little episode about it, What a Plate of Cupcakes. But we had wondered about the configuration of the mm-hmm. cast. And as we suspected, Claudia, Jesse, and Jess Madsen doing press together at Beans. What are your in the moment reactions? How interesting. Because they're definitely grouping people together. I mean, yeah. in the Valentine's, you had Adjua with Ruth mm. and Daniel, and they're definitely grouping by storylines and things like that. So there we go. And then, Lecky, the other day in our crumbs, you told us about the good old chair theory, didn't you? Yes. How we rise, how we fall. We should say farewell to yet another rumor. What happened? So Nicola clarified that it was not quite a chair. <laughs> she said, I've seen people think it's a chair, but we did break a piece of furniture, like fully snapped it, both of us. It was a group effort. Teamwork. But it was not a chair. So the jury's still out. Yeah. So is it a sofa? Is it a bed? <laughs> Did they break the mirror and now have seven years of bad luck? Because <laughs> no, that, would, that would be smash. That would be smash. It's yeah. snap. What can snap? Maybe they were leaning against like a prop door or something and it like cracked. Because those, are, those aren't usually very sturdy, <laughs> mm. you know? I'm still going for a desk. Or, or a bookshelf. Like one of the bookshelves that are on set. Those are probably fairly flimsy. Yeah. Yeah. Little season one moment. Yeah. But Luke added to that that it was a really funny moment where they giggled and it felt really cold and pen. How sweet. 
In very exciting news, an interview with Elle magazine was circulating. I think it's hilarious, to be honest. So it was an interview that Veg is going to return to later about Nick and Yutz's favourite costuming choices in the season. And they both picked something from either episode one or episode two. And Newt's picked, he said, mine's my arrival coat. So, you know, the famous Rangers house leaks, the famous Adam coat. He said, they call it Pirate Colin. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you to whoever introduced him to that term. Whoever. It was definitely at least 20% you, like you. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wasn't me, but I have used it a lot. Um, You've made a very concerted effort over the years. <laughs> I think it's just a fandom-wide, like they've embraced the term pirate, Colin. Well done to the fandom, everyone. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back. Of all the things to know, <laughs> we've, we've done it. We've done it. <laughs> pirate Colin is official. He is canon, literally. <laughs> and also we had confirmation that this was the costume that Nicola, we mentioned this so long ago in our pre-production yeah. crumbs that this was the outfit that Nicola was like whoa when yes. she saw it Aww. all hell pirate Colin Cat Quinn obviously interviewed Nicola over at Tudum in Brazil last June but Luke sadly wasn't there he was doing his play in London so Cat decided to you know close the circle and ask the same questions that she asked Nicola all the way back in June so she prompted Luke with three words she said mirror carriage and eclair to get his reaction to mirror Luke blushed, laughed, and said, exposed. To carriage, he said, intimate. And then to my personal arch enemy, the humbler Claire. He said, question mark. And Nick had to explain it was from the book. Yeah. Yeah. He said, huh? (laughs) Which suggests it's not in the season. Now, I'm sorry, fans, because I know a lot of you love this scene. Yeah, it's a fan favorite. But I have such a strong aversion to a Claire's. I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. Yeah, it's something about that scene. I would have been fine mm. if it was in, but I'm also fine having it not be there. Anything having to do with like food love? Yeah, <laughs> food love. Yeah. It's a bit icky. Not like loving food. I love food. I'm making bagels as we're recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a cat named after food. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not trying to get lewd in the nude with food. If you watch Fly of the Concords, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You never got whipped cream involved. Oh, oh the stickiness of it. All right, all right. I have like an aversion to dairy. And I don't mean like an intolerance. I mean... I hate it. Oh, the sticky sweet smell of dairy. Where is this conversation going? (laughs) Rest in peace, Eclair. (laughs) On the count of three, I want everyone to hiss for me. One, two, three. (laughs) Five life, five truthers, we have an update for you. Kat Quinn recorded part of the Q&A that was not aired on the live stream, but she managed to sneakily record a few snippets Mm -hmm. for us. And she got a couple of questions, but most notably, one of the press in attendance asked about the fan theory that Lord Fife has a thing for Penelope. And Nicola answered this and she said that it was a funny theory that they really end up liking about Lord Fife, but it's definitely <laughs> a fan theory. Um, she explained that fans have decided that Fife is her secret lover <laughs> and she has no idea where it came from. She said it's completely fan invented. You know what, we've had two years to pass. We've had to invent a whole bloody lot of things. <laughs> And they've put Bert Seymour, who plays him, into loads of fan edits. Have you done that, Lecky? I did it in one of ours, yes. You've dabbled. But it was a joke. But she said that Fife was meant to hate Penelope. It's just the way it was edited that makes it kind of look otherwise. Yeah. We've talked about this. I think we most notably talked about this, if you want to go listen, in what a what was it called what a joke all of my friends will love yeah in our 204 rewatch what a joke all of our friends what a joke all of our what a what joke, a joke all of my friends would love it's an olive pun 
go and look for the one that has an olive pun on it. It's that one. <laughs> what a joke Olive, my friends, will yeah. love. Mm-hmm. We did discuss the bit of the, the history, the lore to Fife. He was very much a fan theory mm-hmm. before the season the season three synopsis came out. And once the season three synopsis came out, we all very tragically said goodbye to our story. But he's lived in our hearts and souls. Yeah. yeah. Well, some people, you know, grasped onto the hope that Lord Fife and Penelope were a thing. We cling. But we kind of just love him because he's kind of like a, I call him a Regency shit stirrer. Yeah. yeah, we didn't really ship it. And you know what? I've always said I'd be throwing the cocktails back with him. Yeah, so Lord Fife and Penelope may not be a thing, but you can still embrace the Fife life. You could still yeah. embrace the Regency shit stirrer. AO3 still exists, you know? <laughs> I will say that Bert Seymour, the actor who plays Lord Fife, did not help <laughs> the situation <laughs> at all. He is fully embrace the theory in a very sweet way. Yeah, he's like definitely reposted like fan art of people saying that like Fife was you know courting Penelope and Colin getting yeah. jealous so he's he's embraced it for sure but to reference Nicholas quote she says Fife was meant to hate Penelope mm-hmm. something just went off in my brain when she said that ding, ding, ding. because if you look at season one and season two from Fife's interactions with Penelope it doesn't seem like he hates her even in 208 where he's smirking as he watches Paul and dance mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he hates Penelope so I wonder if this is maybe kind kind of a hint about what his role in season three will be, that there will be kind of more oh, more animosity from Lord Fife toward Penelope. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something that was explored in the earlier seasons that just didn't quite make the cut. Oh, perhaps. Yeah, good point. I've always had the feeling that like Fife is a bit of like a social mm-hmm. barometer for Penn and yeah. Colin. And I've always thought, you know, you know how the queen, she like approves in the very end mm-hmm. in the episode mm-hmm. eight and she like nods and she's like, I approve yeah. this match. I think the only person whose approval really matters in any of this <laughs> I want at the very end of 308. <laughs> just the tiniest little... Little nod. Like the tiniest little nod. From just five. a little drink. Yeah, he... he tips uh, his cocktail, yeah. Tips his yeah. cocktail towards them and then yeah. takes a sip. Yeah. yeah. A couple of other points to note is this was picked up by a few people, including Kat Quinn, that a string cover of Yellow by Coldplay was played at the <gasps> cocktail party that occurred after the Q&A. And we believe it was a live performance. Yeah. So, you know... They know it's on the radar. We just have to pray that Chris Martin lets them have yeah. it in the yeah. season. Everyone go make an offering to Chris Martin, please. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing to note before we really jump into the meat of the discussion. Or vegetarian alternative. Because <laughs> this episode is going to be called What a Vegetarian? And it's going to have vegetables all <sighs> over the cover. I bet you're going to fucking love it. I say this as if I'm going to do that. I'm going to make lecking beans. <laughs> we saw a new, not an end logo really. It was like the Netflix yeah. logo, wasn't it? That we've not seen before. And it was like a dark green screen. And the N was like made out of stone and it had flowers growing up the wall because they're wallflowers and it had a little bee buzzing around how very sweet it's officially the season of pollen go get your allergy tablets allergy stands guys are we ready to really jump into it all everything well as much as we possibly can. So to start us off, we have a few general musings about the seasons. This is coming from the cast and creatives, just talking about the tone of the season, what we can expect overall in terms of like wider stories. <laughs> and Jess Brown now really kicked this discussion off by saying that Colin and Penelope are underdogs in many ways. You've had Penelope, who's the perennial wallflower, and Colin's a third son who hasn't quite found himself. That's an important thing to mm-hmm. know, I think, that he still hasn't found himself. So we're starting off, he comes back cocky, but he's still not quite there. And Jess continued, you get to see them step into their power this year which will make a lot of people who's ever had unrequited crush or felt like an underdog before feel very seen right and this was a recurring idea that people are going to find within this season a way to feel seen and illuminated but you know what the reality is mm-hmm. you never get together with that unrequited love Beans. okay 
beans. I never, ever beans. got together with Tuba Boy. It's a Regency <laughs> fantasy. Heavy word on <laughs> fantasy here. I mean, don't we fucking know that? And then Jess continued that every season, because they do focus on a different couple, it always has a slightly different tone. So with regards to the friends and lovers, she said this offered more familiarity, a bit more coziness. It allows us to lean into the classic rom-com trope, she said. And she also said that she was going to turn those tropes on the head, which we've heard a little bit before. She also alluded to a lot of awkward banter, which we can look forward to. And Shonda continued that we get to see a lot of the characters in new situations for themselves and in situations that they never would have been possible for them last season. And I think this is definitely something that when we were in the live stream really took us by surprise for people like Will, Eloise, Benedict, and we're going to come on to them very soon. But the cast and creatives also had an opportunity to describe the season in one word and we had intimate confidence long awaited romantic unpredictable warm zoom in foire or whatever it was Claudia said foire <laughs> revelatory and mischievous you know what? how many times have I said this to you personally I said 2024 personally is a mischievous year yeah you did say that you did you told me I felt it all year I felt it all year but Jess said that it was overall about the themes of embrace who you really are, standing up for who you are, who you love, and what you love. Ladies and gentlemen, I am now filling my bowl with water. And she also tipped her hat off to all of the production teams, saying that everyone was constantly raising the bar on visuals, and that the show was even brighter and more spectacular than ever before. So that's what we've got to look forward to, which is something we've been really excited about, because we know how much hard work was put into the season. But shall we move on to, you know, Pollen Podcast? Should we move on to Pollen themselves, Penn and Colin? In terms of where we're going to find Penn and Colin at the beginning of this season, and sort of the state of mind and the journey we can expect them to go on Jess said that Colin for his part has spent last season trying to find himself and get over his past heartbreaks he enters this season having succeeded at that thank god he enters with a real new sense of confidence and that's a good thing I think that's a crucial phrase a real new mm-hmm. sense of confidence and then she reflects on Penelope and said because Penelope has lost her two best friends in the world she's trying to make the best of a bad situation and she's going to need some help from Colin so they had a bit of a joke about whether we can forgive Colin for what he did in 208 and obviously we're going to because what a short story it would be and also you know they're friends ultimately but Luke said it's a really good place to start if everything was good between the two of them there's less opportunity for growth and Nicola continued that season two reflectively feels like a very different show to what we're going to have going forwards she said it's interesting because they get these glow-ups aesthetically but they're still these big nerds under oh, it all love that. they try to be cool but you're like you're not cool you're not cool at all and i think that's something i really love like we love to see yeah i do think you can be cool and a nerd though yeah for sure you can be a hot nerd Mm. (laughs) but I think that's something that especially with terms of like Colin I think and this will come up again later is there's been allusions to his character being very different you know you want him to have the growth but still ultimately stay true to the character that we know and love and to see him on a very authentic journey of growth and to hear that at his core you know they both still share those foundational aspects of the relationship was so lovely and Luke added on to this as well that both characters have felt like outsiders they've never felt like the romantic leads there was also allusions that they've never really felt settled within their place within their families and he said so to give them that opportunity and for us to really dive into that it felt like a gift to have that Mm -hmm. but as i was just saying about colin's character and the evolution and the differences and changes it's going to have over the season when luke was talking about how he resonates with his character he says that he thinks there's more similarities between himself and the colin that we found in season one in season two and that he doesn't quite share as much in common with season three Mm. colin certainly not the beginning which i thought was very Mm. interesting he says that he wouldn't have this newfound swagger or confidence that colin has gathered on his travels yeah interesting yeah how far of a departure yeah because we've speculated that season three is a return 
return to kind of the charming Colin we saw in season one. We saw for 20 minutes. Though. Yeah. We saw yeah. that Colin for 20 minutes, so we don't really learn him. But if Luke is hinting that Colin's confidence takes the story in a completely new direction and is kind of a new character, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I eagerly await the trailer to see what that looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he did add a comment which I think is very pertinent. He says, I feel like throughout his journey, Colin is just kind of making his way back to who he actually is. Mm. Yes, I love this. I suppose the question is, what is that returning to? Is that returning to the Colin we barely knew in season one? I think so. Before he met Marina. It makes sense to me. And so that's the core of the character, the original aspect Mm. of him, but we never really got to spend time with him. So for us, it's a very fresh take Mm. on the character. Or do you think, and we'll get to this in just a moment, do you think that we're going to have this aspect to his character that's going to feel a bit more unfamiliar? The swaggeriness, the cockiness that we saw in the clip from Mm. 301, and that along his journey, something is going to break or fracture or change him to to kind of loop him back around to the Colin that is more familiar to us. Find his true self. His true self. And that is the question that's always been like, who is his true self? Mm -hmm. And Luke touched on this. He says that there's a sensitivity, the warmth and kindness and the sense of humor. They're all very core characteristics of Colin's character that I think remains very Mm -hmm. true. And this was something that Nicola touched on as well. She said that the most interesting part of the season as a whole was the dynamic shift that we're going to have taking place. And that Penn in the season at the beginning is looking up to him as the guy who's going to help her find Mm. a husband. And then Penelope becomes more confident. But as Penelope starts to find her confidence, he starts to lose his confidence. Yeah. I think the power shift is enormous, she said. And now this was, I think of everything we've got, I think this is one of the most interesting tidbits for me. What were we thinking? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Because it almost seems like she is going to gain confidence as she starts to have some success on the marriage mart. And maybe even like see her effect on... (laughs) Sorry, she's just making bagels. (laughs) She's just making bagels. This is amazing. It's like watching a YouTube like cooking video. Okay, sorry. Anyway, so she's going to gain confidence in herself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at some point she might also Mm -hmm. sense that... Well, I think after episode two, she'll definitely sense that Colin isn't immune to her either. <laughs> but um, yeah, but mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. he will lose confidence because Penelope is not going to choose him. There's going to be a point where she actively starts to pursue Dublin in spite of knowing that he has feelings for her. So he feels like he can't measure up. And in spite of knowing her feelings for yeah. him. And we've talked about before that Colin may be insecure because Laura Deplin offers more than he can. So I feel like that will impact his confidence yeah. also. So what we're going to start with, and we really really see in that opening clip where her confidence has plummeted through the floor from failing spectacularly, yeah. publicly humiliated, and his is much higher. He's a cocky little shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's full of himself. So through the season, we're going to see the inverse. So she's going to go higher. He's going to go lower. Do you think their ultimate journey is that they're going to come on a plateau together at the same level of confidence that they find within one another? I yeah. think so, yeah. They'll end well matched. Because I think this is the issue. And it's something that I think we need to just note in these discussions that we're having recently our discussions at the moment are very heavily about Colin making it up to Penelope and mm. Penelope's confidence rising and these kind of things. We know that there's a whole other arc that needs to come in the second half of the season in terms of how Colin's going to deal with her secret, whether there's trust that needs to be regained on her mm-hmm. part and everything. But just in the nature of the way that promotion works, they're withholding a lot of the part two aspects of it, yeah. which is why our discussion is very part one heavy. Nicola has talked about how Penelope needs and now has taken Colin off that pedestal. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Penelope also kind of needs her reckoning with her power right. as Lady Whistledown and how yeah. she's used it and how she continues to use it. Mm. Merging both Lady Whistledown and herself and refining yeah. her voice 
Yeah. And you know she's kind of got an inflated sense of ego in season two. So I feel like we might see that in season three. Yeah, 100%. And so she needs to mm-hmm. mellow out a little bit herself. Mm-hmm. And so the way that confidence is on this sort of pendulum swing between the two of them, do you think this pedestal aspect is, because we hear it time and time again mm-hmm. from Nicola, it's such an important point that he's fallen off yeah. a pedestal that she's had him on for years. Do you think as he realizes his feelings for her in the first half of the season, that he is going to go the other way yes. and start putting her in? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you do when you realize you're yeah. in love with someone. Everything they do, is perfect do you think that he's gonna put her on the pedestal and then she gets knocked off and that that's the journey that we have oh i like that Mm -hmm. yeah love it i just want to address that that we know that that's all to come we're not like the whole season has to be colin winning Mm -hmm. her back it's just the way the marketing it is very heavy on the lessons and the confidence and everything like that and it's an interesting journey because luke pointed out that it's not going to be as easy as people think it's going to be he thinks that people think that you know it's a case of he just needs to open his eyes come to his senses be like oh she's there all along i love Mm -hmm. her happily married forever after but that's not what's going to happen it's a lot more complicated and Nicola says which is what we've just said they can't quite get on the same level and it's that sort of situation where we can assume that maybe just as he's really realising how he feels she's gone the other way in pursuing someone else it's that kind of consequence the closer he gets the more she's trying to pull herself Mm -hmm. away out of fear out of disbelief and things like that Let's talk about baby pollen. Aleki, I squealed. I think you squealed when this mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. A little interview clip came out of another Nick and Newt's interview. And Nicola said they've known each other since they were kids. <laughs> so I think it's lovely to see maybe how the relationship was at the very beginning when they were little, little and had no self-conscious. She said of Colin that he has a line in the season which reflects mm-hmm. this. Lecky, what did you make of that? As soon as I heard her say when they were little, I was so happy because I feel like this just means we're getting baby pollen. I could not be more excited Mm -hmm. but also that line about how this is kind of this is going to get me emotional i'm sorry but how maybe colin touches on how they weren't self-conscious as children in their early stages of Mm -hmm. their friendship when Mm -hmm. they first met each other they were just completely you know sharing all of themselves with each other yeah and now they're coming back to that as they fall in love oh god yeah that's so cute i know she loves friends to live in yeah Yeah. invisible string i think it's also yeah a little invisible string it's also that i wonder if for colin when he's reflecting on the journey that they've gone on Mm -hmm. that that's something that he's not beating himself up over but when he really looks back and analyzes why he didn't see this very obvious thing Mm -hmm. in his life it is because they were so young and we don't know how young they were i'm hoping it reflects the 12 year gap right i hope it was seven and nine and that that's the 12 years that we then met them in in season one and i wonder if he does have a moment where he's like i didn't see it because we were so little and when you're a kid you just fully yourself and don't really like interrogate and it's that journey that they've gone on together which is why it's never been obvious to him and it is a different turn from the books because they were a different age in the Mm -hmm. books whereas if they've had this long-standing friendship I think it is harder for you to see those transitions that happen over a long period of time for someone yeah so I think whatever line that is is going to kill me (laughs) so yeah do you think we're going to get baby pollen flashbacks Mm -hmm. maybe multiple maybe at different points in their relationship oh my god that'd be amazing yeah lucky you think it if we do it'll be early on in the season I know some people have speculated that might it might come up as sort of the opening of old friends yeah the title of old friends is very interesting the title Mm. of old friends is compelling but i would just say i would find it more interesting to see their first meeting and their early relationship earlier in the season yeah so that we can finally kind of get Mm -hmm. colin's mindset and understand why he hasn't seen penelope in a romantic light and see kind of how their early friendship I feel like it's important. I, I feel like it would make yeah. more sense to introduce that earlier. Um, I mean, I won't complain. Maybe like Ob said, we'll get multiple baby pollens. Yeah, Anthony's flashback was 
the big one was in episode three, I think. Episode three. Yeah. It reminds me of something that Beans has said a very long time ago. And it ties into the fact that these are two characters we've already met. And that's a key difference yeah. with the season that we already know them very well. Okay, we know them now, but we need to ask the question, why? Yes. Like, why are they mm-hmm. the way this? Why do they have this relationship that yeah. they do? And Beans, when we were talking ages ago about his savior complex and this, oh, yeah. his, the nature of his relationship yeah. with Penelope and how, you know, we've seen it in season one, we've seen it in season two. You posited the idea that I really love that maybe in that initial meeting, something happened that really Mm. set that dynamic up yeah yeah and to go back to the origins of that Mm -hmm. it wouldn't just be like oh it's cute to see them young i think it's a key piece of the puzzle that we actually need to see so that as an audience we can understand the mindset that he's been in his whole life i think i said it was something like maybe she fell off the horse well maybe not that dramatic or like she was scared of the horse that they were riding or something Mm -hmm. and then he like calmed her down he came to her rescue yeah so i remember really liking beans's suggestion about this especially because i feel like in at the end of episode Episode one, we're going to presumably have Colin offer to help Penelope find a husband. That's his hero moment, making mm-hmm. amends for the mistakes he's made in the past. So I feel like it would be a good opportunity around then to show us that flashback where we see that first evidence of his hero complex towards Penelope to explain that part yeah. of the relationship and also that part of himself. And to also answer the question that the audience have had is why can't he see that she looks at yeah. him like that? And I think if we establish that this little Penelope has always had this reverence with him. I think it answers it because that's all he's ever really known around her. Yeah, but I wouldn't complain about more baby pollen. As a quick aside, I also think that the term old friends also works on a different level. It could be a possible reference to the way that pollen's dynamic changes with them becoming former friends and current mm. lovers after the carriage scene takes yeah. their relationship to a new level. Just before we move on, you know, speaking of Penelope giving certain looks to him, just a couple of uh, interesting other tidbits that popped up, didn't they, Veg? What have you got for us in the wardrobe? They did indeed. So we had some lovely little costuming tidbits from one of Kat Quinn's interviews. She asked what the favourite Easter egg was in the season three wardrobe. Not actual Easter eggs. So I tried to like hide little Easter eggs of like I would, not actual Easter eggs, but like. Yeah. <laughs> not Easter eggs, but it was asked what their favourite Easter egg. Um, and so Luke talked about his wardrobe and how instead of having waistcoats for specific days there was sort of a big selection of a wardrobe he could pick on the day almost like getting dressed in the morning as a real character so that helped the styling Mm -hmm. through the season Mm -hmm. um and he would pick things that would match pen's energy they mentioned Mm -hmm. the butterflies that are on a few of his waistcoats but yeah it was just sort of the idea of him having a selection of things to sort of choose from rather than being a set thing, yeah. which seemed really like just a really unique way to do it and kind of yeah. helps with Colin's journey as it goes through the season because he can sort of work out what his character would do, which I really liked. Yeah, really interesting from an acting perspective to give him mm. that opportunity to decide what Colin would even wear day to day. Yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. I think it also might help with his acting choices as well, since so yeah. much that we've heard of Colin is him mm-hmm. coming into his own. And yeah. so, like, by mm-hmm. Luke Newton being able to choose his outfits, it gives him this freedom that I think he can then help tune in with his character a little bit better. Yeah. You know, yeah. he gets that, yeah. the the freedom of figuring out his own swagger within this character, so to speak, yeah. and then in return, Colin's mm-hmm. swagger as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. 
I love that it's connected to Penelope's energy yeah. as well. And the thing with Colin is he's always a character whose wardrobe choices have been tied to other characters. Mm-hmm. He's been defined not by his own personality mm-hmm. in his outfit. They've been defined by, we, you're viewed as a child, so your outfit's much Gregory's. You're viewed as a child, so you have ba- this baby blue yeah. colour palette. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting, which was something we've been wondering about, is this idea that if he has a wardrobe where it's a bit of a, like a mix and match choices does this finally explain enchanted Ooh. pollen because we noticed that enchanted colin was basically the same mm-hmm. as ostley pollen could it just be that he does rewear that at a later point and so maybe he does oh, actually match enchanted maybe. pen after maybe. all maybe i guess it's because it's like a ball outfit it seems less likely to be a repeat than sort of a day-to-day outfit but not out of the question at all but what of what of mm-hmm. penelope what of her well we also had a nice little tidbit about pen so nick described the scene where Penelope decides to have a glow up and change her entire wardrobe. So she said that she opens her wardrobe and the dress you see on the top of the pile, she wore the first ever ball, the Danbury ball. Mm. And so Nick asked them to put it at the top and have that as a little nod for the fans of like, that's where it all began. And that's sort of a jumping off point for her new style. And it's very exciting. And we have seen multiple times in episode one, many of her season one looks are coming back. So, you know, old favourites, fear not, they're coming home. Very quickly, I, I love this little tidbit too, because I feel like it justifies us being so overly (laughs) justifies my job role on the podcast yeah so overly observant because the contract has been renewed yeah so (laughs) overly observant because and detailed with like our own like theories and stuff like that because it shows Mm. that not only the costume designer set designers and actors all put in a little bit of something that means Mm -hmm. that has a deeper meaning so i i feel for all of us we're a little bit justified with our you know maybe overanalyzing a huge amount of the storytelling is being is being yeah. conveyed through mm-hmm. the costuming yeah. and that's something that they're definitely leaning into yeah. in this season so let's jump into the scene from 301 let's start chronologically mm-hmm. the goodnight mr bridgerton scene so we discussed this a little bit in our last episode and i'm sure that over the next few weeks we'll keep coming back to the scene keep breaking mm-hmm. it down and keep but breaking down any new thoughts on and keep breaking down naturally any new thoughts on this scene i think when i've watched it a lot of times over i've been so taken by by both of their acting choices and both of the moments that we find the characters mm-hmm. in but i still find colin's choice is so mm-hmm. fascinating that and we will talk about in a second where we think this scene is sitting within the first episode but what we have here is he knows that something's wrong with him and his instinct to try and fix that is to try and like flirt his way out of yeah. it mm-hmm. which is something he's done accidentally perhaps with Penelope before but I don't know if we've seen him be this like overt mm-hmm. and it's this cockiness that he thinks he can come and and smooth things over by being the smooth talking charmer where with Penelope this is where he finds mm-hmm. friction and I wonder how much of that friction is going to continue to develop where she is going to keep catching him out. Not deliberately, but there's going to be these moments such as the remarkable eye scene that that catch him and, and, and break down this facade that he's got yeah. built up. And the way that he smirks with her when she goes, you miss me he smirks and he nods to himself like this will sort it all out he's like really proud of himself it's such a different dynamic that we've seen him act with her before i think my thing is like he's so like aloof with how he's speaking to her very like Mm -hmm. light and he's not taking anything serious it's just pen you know and so Mm -hmm. i feel like him seeing her actually mad at him is a new and mm-hmm. so he's taken aback he's also probably taken aback by the front that he's being confronted by what he has said which 
he may not have experienced before from anybody outside of his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His reaction to realising she's upset and to the things she says about overhearing yeah. him, I was sort of taken aback by some of his reactions and almost disappointed, like, when he suggests move like he doesn't really say anything all he says is pen yeah he's silenced by it and he suggests moving somewhere private which is objectively mm-hmm. also quite bad and upsets her even more yeah. and i think it's it's mm-hmm. almost like he even makes it worse for himself and when i yeah. first watched it i was like oh that's kind of sad but then i realized like it's such a good jumping off point for like yeah, exactly it's such yeah. a good start to the season just fully like jumping in mm-hmm, with that mm-hmm. point that's mm-hmm. gonna turn around their relationship completely and we were talking about it just being mm-hmm. less of a confrontation maybe something he just read in lady whistledown later on but like i just think this is such a great way to kick start the season it's the way she kicks mm-hmm. Britain in in a line like he's really he's like clearly feeling himself he's like i've got this i can fix this and he smirks and nods and then she says you miss me but you've never caught me is that correct yeah. And it's that direct thing where, and it completely cuts through mm-hmm. to him. And he goes, Pen, and he doesn't finish his sentence and he closes his eyes. He, he looks, he doesn't know what to do with it. And then she just says it. We've wondered how she's going to say it. She just says, I heard you. And he looks and he can't meet her mm-hmm. in the eye. And then Veg, as you say, when the men walk past, he's very edgy about it. And it's so frustrating because he then chooses the stupidest thing again, where he says, should we go somewhere more private? Which is not only tapping into her fears that he's mm-hmm. embarrassed of her, but it's like, you haven't fucking like yeah. thing here, have you? The last thing you should be doing is going and have a conversation yeah. private. Which again, I think highlights just how he it just highlights this, his mentality of oh she's just pen oh we've known each other if we go into private it's not a big deal but it's different now it's yeah. different yeah and this could be a moment where when he's looking back over their journey he's more aware of the way because in this moment at least he realizes that she's that he's hurt her in some way whereas we've seen many points in the past two seasons moments where he's very accidentally hurt her but he hasn't Mm. had the awareness like he left the you do not count scene skipping away being like just had a chat with my bestie and she's been devastated Mm -hmm. and it's where he still hasn't had the reckoning where he's realising that his actions have had consequences to revisit the letters that I freaked out about last time in this conversation Colin when he's talking about writing to Penelope he says as I always do. And I was thinking, did mm. baby Pollen maybe exchange letters like as children after Aww. Colin left for school? Or or this is also very Colin. After one year of being pen pals, is that always for Colin? But the, but the phrasing as I always do was very interesting to me. Yeah, to be honest, that's more him. Also, I was t- messaging you about this, Lucky, wasn't I? That he says, if you're going to make me say it out loud... I yes. miss you. That isn't I missed you whilst yes. I was away traveling. Present tense. That's I miss mm-hmm. you now. I miss you right yeah. now. I miss that, like, because they're together and we can assume they've had an interaction earlier, but he misses their friendship. I feel like kind of just that kind of goes into my theory where she's been ignoring him. Well, it goes into all of our theory, really. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. He- he like maybe called on her or expected her to come to the Bridgerton house, mm-hmm. but her and Eloise are also not arguing. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a scene mm-hmm. in the beginning where he comes home and then he's in the, like he's in the drawing room or something. And he goes, I haven't seen Penn in a while. And Eloise just like, it's like, well, you're probably mm-hmm. never going to see her again or something. So it's like an mm-hmm. active, like he is missing her because she's not around all the time. I wonder if it's always that thing of, do you know when a relationship dynamic has changed and, yeah. you know, it can just be going through a bit of a bad patch and it's like, mm-hmm. you're there, but you're mm-hmm. not there. 
like what we've had is isn't right. is out of reach. In the synopsis, it says the one per you know he's dismayed to find that Penelope, the one person who always saw him as he was, isn't there for him, and it ties into this thing is secretly under all this swagger, under all this big facade, is he secretly just frustrated by how he's being perceived and just wants the person who always saw him wants to be back in her favor mm. and is that what he's is missing and also just a quick note it reminds me of two or two at the races where he never finished the sentence where he was like pen i and then we never found out what Aww. he was going to say yeah. to her yeah and i went and we've always wondered if he was going to say yeah. i missed you but now he's finally said mm. it out loud but he says it in such a cockily dismissive mm-hmm. way you can totally understand why it it frustrates yeah. her so just a question how early in the episode do you think this is taking place so we know this is 301 out of the shadows Oh, also a note about Out of the Shadows. How dark is this shot? In They're in the corner. They're tucked lit away. Lit in shadow. The lighting yeah. is very harsh. Lit in shadow. But how early do you think this is taking place? Um, I would say, I would go back and look at like 201. I'm just pulling it up right now. And I would say like midway because I think it's the first ball. And it, there's probably like two major events probably in the first episode. It's comparable to when it sits with the Cantony conflict, yeah. I think. I, I'd imagine it sits at a similar point. Or in season one where Daphne and Simon didn't get off to a good start. It tends to fall like within the first 25, half an hour. Yeah, so yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's about 28 minutes, 27, 28 minutes into the first episode in season two. (laughs) So I would guess about there. Also, I love the specificity of that. Nina, you're probably gonna be right. I mean, I think we've gone past specificity at this fucking podcast. (laughs) well I mean like because I feel like this is their Lady Danbury's ball is always first and I feel like they need an er, an an interaction at least midway through the episode so that there's time Mm -hmm. to build to Mm -hmm. them coming to an agreement later in the episode hatching that plan like Luke was saying this is a starting point this isn't like oh my god the conflict they're never gonna recover from this terrible thing that he did once it's it's like the starting point and then by the end of the episode they'll hopefully already have the plan yeah. into place so if we're saying this is naturally the very the, f- the first ball of the season what do we think the context of this scene is it looks like it's the end of the night or towards the end of the night when penelope mm-hmm. is gonna head off she head off so heads off alone maybe to go publish a whistle down about yeah. the evening but she's clearly mm-hmm. very upset has so has she already spoken to colin that night has she has this been where she's been failing Probably, spectacularly yeah, so. nicola said that she's incredibly terrible at speaking to people and it's awkward mm-hmm. And Colin sees it and he's like, oh my God, mm. this is disastrous. What do we think the context is that's put Penn in this mindset and Colin in this mindset, respectively? I think she's been failing spectacularly, as you said. And then, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the episode, <laughs> I was having some shower thoughts about Portia's role <laughs> in season three. And I was thinking, if Prudank marries or is married in episode one, I was wondering what Portia's goal would be for mm-hmm. the season. So I wondered if maybe she like makes a remark to Penelope um, kind of in the b- vein of the book where she says that you know um, she'll expect Penelope to care for her if she remains a spinster or mm-hmm. or maybe um and then maybe something like that just kind of further furthers um, Penelope's plan to find a husband this season because she really doesn't want that to happen um also Penelope could mm-hmm. maybe persuade Portia to give her one more season to find a match I don't know but I kind of like um yeah. I had the idea of the bagels are in the oven I boiled them because that gives them fluffiness and now they're getting their final bake through I kind of like the idea of Portia being surprised first by Penn's success with Debling and Colin. If she knows right off the bat about Penn's plans, though, there could be like a scene at this ball, at the Danbury ball, where maybe Portia witnesses 
Penelope failing spectacularly and either like sh- shoots her a look or like say something kind of scathing about her, her choice of dress because we all know that Portia favors happy yeah. colors. I don't think she'll really like this re- like really rich emerald green that Penelope is wearing. And this is a very deep dark palette. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like maybe that will just kind of fuel Penelope's anger even further before this scene, especially if Colin then compliments her choice of dress and the color. So it's going to be an, a brutal scene, I think. What we do know is that her glow up really does happen quite quickly. Beans, I think you think, we'll get onto the costume in a second, but I think you have the idea that this yeah. is still a transition dress and that very much seems so when you compare yes. it to her later choices. Veg, how is she looking? So she has got on, as we've said, a green dress and it is quite a deep green. And I did do a little cross-reference of all the different greens we've seen so far in promo. And it does mm-hmm. kind of match some of the colour scheme of what we have on the like Twitter, the new almost theming for the season of the green with the gold. Mm. does remind me a bit of that. But I think it is definitely a bold choice and a very different one. Besides sort of the bright colour schemes that she normally has, the greens, the pinks, and often the yellows, this is a really deep colour. And she also has black gloves on. Mm-hmm. So black gloves, from what I was able to research, pre-Victorian times, black gloves were not widespread, like in the women's fashion. Like men would wear them, like the black leather, but... In terms of women at balls, it it was not common at all. It wasn't fashionable. It was more something you'd wear Mm. in mourning. So this almost feels like Mm. Penn is sort of kind of jump straight in when she changes her wardrobe. This is maybe the first ball where she's doing that and she's jumping straight in with this bold look. But maybe hasn't quite... Nailed it. Got her full grasp on it yet. So that's what she alludes to. She says, no matter if I change my wardrobe, I'm still the laughing stock of the ton. But this dress is, like you said, the the use of black is Mm -hmm. so stark. And Nicola has talked about how she was going to be in a a dark headspace to start with. Whereas everything we see from even just episode two, from the very very next episode, she goes towards that much lighter palette. So she's turned away from the citruses and the feathering tins, but she's leaning into the softer, lighter palettes, more towards Bridgerton Blue, but also towards her favoured sage and seafood and such so I wonder if this choice is more reflective of her state of mind mm, in yeah. this moment where it's, she's in a very mm, low point maybe so yeah. and then from that point on it's going to become lighter and brighter as she goes along and her hair down her hair is down here as well which is very vulnerable I think and I wonder if this is you know she's even more flayed open because she's put herself out there and it's gone horrifically mm. not only has he seen it he's then like f- making flirty mm-hmm. jokes that are really yeah. frustrating to her and it just all creates a storm of resentment and pain for her i think i do agree with veg more that it's like that she wants to do the polar opposite of what her mom has mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so for her She's picking out what she thinks looks good, but is completely, mm-hmm. like, separate from her mother. Very much like, a, you know, my mom used to always put me in pink, and I never disliked the color, but because I didn't want to wear pink all the time, I just instantly went to black for years, and I would told her I would hate pink. It's very much like a, I'm going to do this to defy you, and I would like to wear things that I like. So I definitely think this is still very much a transition into some of her newer outfits, and she's still very much finding her style yeah yeah the only thing gives me pause on that is the fact that she says she's changed her entire wardrobe so it sounds as if she's already sort of done the changes she's gonna make but i think it does ultimately make more sense like that this is the first step and then we because we've seen so many things of her in paler colors that this this isn't gonna be yeah she's not gonna suddenly become a goth as far as we know like bean says maybe this is more reactionary against something rather than becoming her own right Uh, one thing 
that Penelope says during this is that, and she seems so certain of it in this moment, is that Colin is embarrassed by her. We've discussed this before and we've said that he isn't embarrassed by her. Do you still think that's the case? Do you think that this is just Penelope's deepest insecurities bursting out of her at this moment? I think we've seen Colin with her too many times for him to actually be embarrassed by her. I think he's more embarrassed that he's come in and he's got the swag when he wants to be seen as cool. It's not cool because he's he doesn't think Pen is uncool, but I think he it seems to be taking control of his image and he's mm. not sure what that means yet. He does care what other people think of him. That's just the truth of it. Yeah, he does mm-hmm. care what people think. And he knows her reputation. But I also think that yeah. in a way too, he could tell that she was getting emotional and so he maybe wanted to bring her to somewhere privately so that like, if she yelled at him or lost her cool, she wouldn't further embarrass herself in front of everyone else. Yeah. For instance, he took her into the back room at the end of season two partially because he didn't want to like i know it's ironic because of what he said later but he didn't want to embarrass her and her family in front of the ton he wanted to bring it up privately so that Mm. it could be figured out so i think that Mm. i think it's a little bit of both there's some embarrassment on his part and also like he's trying to be considerate of pen and not have this big emotional thing happen yeah, I wonder if she stormed out yeah. and he's followed her. And that was the lightness he tried to enter with being like, he, the color, maybe maybe Cressida said something yeah. horrible about her dress. And he's followed and it's like, it does look right. kind of good on you though. Um, Lekki, any thoughts on if Colin is embarrassed by Penn? I don't know if he's embarrassed by her, but I think he is very conscious about how he is perceived in society. Mm. So when he, mm. he does that sideways glance at those men who are walking past who say Bridgerton and kind of acknowledge him, mm. I think he's embarrassed by the confrontation they're having. Not so much Penelope. And do you think that is then leading to a public declaration? Oh, for sure. Yeah. In front of everyone. Inject that into my veins. And in, in, full, in full light as well. Yeah. Because this is a conversation that's happening so much in the dark. Literally, he's in the dark, but they're plunged yeah. into darkness. And that this is going to be the parallel that we're going to get right at the end where he's going to public declare yeah i don't think he's embarrassed by their friendship i think like you say i think he's embarrassed of how he's perceived and like again this is something that we were chatting earlier about this scene almost reminds me in a very strange way of 204 the beauty and the beast scene that we've talked about before so what you have here is penelope is deeply upset about something Mm -hmm. that he has contributed to but also i think other things have gone on that have upset her as well and he comes in at this by trying to repair it by being very flirty yes Yes, exactly. She needs a friend. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how this scene would have played had he come to her as a friend in that moment. Obviously, she's still mad at him, but would that have broken through to her more? And is this a setup we're going to have of like, let's get back to being friends? Yeah. He might have been able to crack through that facade if he had been more himself and more honestly concerned about how she was doing. Because for her, if she's just made an embarrassment of herself trying to attract suitors and maybe Cressida or someone's made a comment about it, it does come across then as mockery to her. You can understand why she thinks it's like almost mocking for him to come out and say something flirty to her. He's doing it as a a bomb, but it's completely the wrong thing to say. And I think this is really ironic considering that's all she wanted from him Mm. last year. Like she would have lapped up this flirtiness last year. And it it reminds me of the Beauty and the Beast scene and the You Do Not Count scene where she last year was in many ways trying to be the wrong thing to him he was hurting deeply last year and i think during that hurt he really needed a friend like after he came back from marina he really needed someone to just be his friend there and penelope was pushing him too far romantically and it would like bite back at her and i think this is the same parallel that we're having here where he is being the wrong thing to her and Mm. what she needs is a friend 
what do you think he does after this? She walks away. We've always wondered what the confrontation would be like. He doesn't chase after her that we know of. He doesn't say anything back. How do you think this has affected him? What will his next steps be? And how can he go about fixing it? As much as I hate to say it, I feel like there's going to be another ball where Penelope has an even more kind of embarrassing time trying to (laughs) find, you know, a, a suitor who's interested in her. And Colin's going to witness this and kind of be affected by it and realize how much maybe he even contributed to her failure by the words he Mm. made and that might prompt him to Mm -hmm. you know seek her out and make that offer to try to help her find a husband Mm. do you think he's still going to be this swaggery energy with her or do you think he is going to be a bit more authentic in their friendship or do you think it's a journey that we're going to go into I think he's going to put on a facade at first this like oh Mm -hmm. I can help Mm -hmm. you out all this other stuff and like yeah I know what I'm doing yeah I know what I'm doing and then when it starts to get into the thick of things for instance we're probably going to see some of the cracks when he like accidentally cuts his hand or she's if we're presuming sees his Mm. journal or things like that i think we're going to slowly start to see that breakdown and he's allowing this more vulnerable open emotional side of him which might going back be what Mm -hmm. luke was talking about is we haven't gotten colin being fully open and vulnerable like it's never been his own decision to be that way it's been something he's been forced into so maybe this is part of that and just discovering true confidence within that so i think he's going to start out being very much like giving pen a mask that he gives everybody else and then Mm. like slowly just it comes off and he's more vulnerable and open and sweet because she has the ability to see through to his true self right and he can feel very seen by her yeah because if you think about the market still that we got it to you can see like he's like got very playful smile and he's still in his pirate jacket and everything i think that's still very much what you've been saying beans about how he's going to retain that swagger it's giving my fair lady a little bit it's very pygmalion story well the suitors plot is very pygmalion yeah Yeah. and that is definitely playing into it i think but i think the difference with like the my fair lady is where the tropes are being inverted because that's such a trope the pygmalion trope has been around for thousands of years yeah is that you have something like that where you have the male creating this person this image that he then falls in love with mm-hmm. but i think the way they're going to play with that notion is that colin thinks he's in control of like i'm going to teach you whereas i think we're going to see in the moment she ends up teaching him more and what he's falling in love with consciously is her being her yeah, true yeah. self rather than her being yep. a creation or a build-up and I think maybe that's how they're going to play with that mm-hmm. that trope. And then when you have the moment with the remarkable shade of blue, it's a moment where the set of that is maybe like, he's in control, like, <laughs> use yeah. a line on me. I, you know, I can take it. And it's such a true, honest moment where she's seeing him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's seeing his kindness. It's such a core part of him, which is a vulnerable thing to be seen as kind. And that these are the moments that are going to start breaking through to him. Okay then, so we know that the plot is that Colin is going to agree to help her find a husband. And mm. as we know, who's the man of the hour? Debling. Debbers. Debling. Are we going to find out his first name? I hope so. I have to say, we've always been on the Penling board and we've lost, you know, sometimes you lose yeah. the wars. We lost yeah. Penling. Pebbling. It's Pebbling. Well, I was never a Penling anyway, so I'm perfectly happy to not oh. say that word ever again. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lecky. You can Sorry. go off make your own bloody podcast then, can't you? <laughs> I'm on the Pollen podcast. I don't have to go anywhere. No, yeah, we, we're the ones who have to do the offshoot ops. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. We can leave. <laughs> you can change it to what a bub. 
the Peplin podcast. What, yeah. <laughs> what if I'm coming to a streaming platform near you? So we talked a lot about Devling last episode. We're so excited to see him there. And the setup, obviously, is, as Nicola said, Colin's like, I'll help you. She's like, fine, I don't love you at all. This will work out great. No yeah. problems. And then obviously, in walks Devling. They click. Mm. They're all good to go. Jess made a lot of references to characters feeling like an underdog, especially in terms of Colin. Do you think this is going to come up with Debling and that he's going to feel like the yeah. underdog in comparison mm-hmm. to Debling? Yep. Because is everything he isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. Lordy, lordy. Does this mean that we're going to see Colin hunting? Because I really don't want to see him killing fluffy little animals. <laughs> no. But I mean, if... If they're setting up Devlin as his opposite. Let's hope not. I think the meat eating is enough. I bet he's like, oh my God, this this one time I was in France and I had this amazing coco van and everyone's like, oh my God, coco van, how fancy. And then Devlin's like, do you know that 50,000 coco van orphans are left homeless because of your actions? I know that coco van isn't the evil animal, don't worry. I think it's more like that. I hope that Colin isn't going to kill baby animals on screen. But who knows? Although I have to say, Beans, your joke about them looking at a stag head is very pertinent. I think that's actually what they're looking at, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. And their reflection, you can make out the antlers. Yeah, we had a couple of people message us about that. I thought it was a painting of an animal. I didn't say stag head specifically. You were on theme. You were on theme. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like they actually are looking at it. We drew a line to the mirror mm. <laughs> to work out the eye lines. Mm. I bet he's like, they're extraordinary creatures, aren't they? They're so big and they random fact about a bison or a stag head. And that's great. I'm really loving this voice. They're so misunderstood. Much like you, Miss Featherington. <laughs> oh, a high compliment indeed. You know what though? This is basically what the Philly season's gonna be like. It's gonna be Philip just being like random fact about Unplanned. this tree and she's gonna have to be into it oh bless now the still itself we really didn't get to go into too much detail in terms of costuming last time veg what have you got for us because she's looking absolutely stunning isn't she yes my first notes are oh my goodness pen is beautiful endorsed so we've discussed this before so her dress is it's fully bridgerton blue it's the same color as the undercover lady whistledown cape that um nicola described as bridget bridgerton and i think we've said colin will be going fucking crazy at this like she's Mm -hmm. she's just wearing bridgerton blue while she's bonding with a vegetarian hottie so this is just this is a moment for veg and other men are trash colin is trash (laughs) party members Oi. if we make it to the end of this podcast with all four of us intact i'll be surprised oh very pretty bagels oh those are pretty bagels <laughs> much like penelope in the still the bagels are also beautiful i'll hold one up oh she's a beauty she does look like a chignon now the bagels sorry to interrupt beautiful bagels beans so pen's hair is like it's up but it's not in a way that we've really seen before. Mm. And I like it a lot. Speaking of chignons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks really nice. And it has like a thick curl of hair yeah. down the side, which mm. adds like a beautiful bit of edginess to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and bows. Yep. 
So let's do some bow discourse. Bows are back. What do we think? Because if you're listening and you're sort of new to the podcast, we've made a big deal about bows in our rewatch. We would sort of track the bows that she was wearing. She would wear big ones. The worst scene, which is the you do not count scene. She had no fewer than 12 bows about her person. She had 36 bows in the Beauty and the Beast scene. Right. And now she's got them and she looks great. And she's taken it and she's found a way to make bows work for her. And you know what? I respect that. (laughs) Yeah. Congrats, Pen. For our bow rating, I'll give you a, a zero out of 12. Oh, yeah, bow rating. God, those were the days. But it's, it's interesting what you're saying, Veg, because even things like the bows, which we associate with some of the worst moments, like the You Do Not Count, the Beauty and the Beast, it's been very like infantilizing mm-hmm. for Penelope in her wardrobe. And it's always tied into moments where like Colin either hasn't been seeing her or has said something that alludes to her being like not mm. a woman or something like that whereas here we have like she's being seen as a woman yeah. she's aware that she's being seen as a woman and it's this more mature look for her mm-hmm. but I think her hair being up like this I wonder if it's because this is 303 yeah. right so is she's still getting to know him if she's still a little bit more guarded so she's not as vulnerable with her hair like falling mm. down around her it's a little bit more put together but yeah the blue so lucky we've long theorized that the rest park pen the blue pen that she was standing next to Debling and that he was leading her and yes. her family to an event. That hollow sound is the sound of your bread being done. I think it's interesting that the other costuming we've seen from mm-hmm. the other episodes have been this lighter, more Bridgerton palette. Mm-hmm. They haven't been like blue, blue. More saturated. They've either been like a steely blue, yeah, or a sagey blue or a greeny blue. Whereas I think it's hilarious that the two times we think we've seen mm-hmm. her with Debling, she's like, bam, blue. bright yeah. Bridgerton blue. And if that's the kind of thing that Colin is going to see and freak about. In terms of where they are, I think this scene predates Rest Park mm-hmm. because I feel like if you look at the Rest Park yeah. leaks, her waves look softer and she has yeah. kind of like a headband. And down. And people think that that might be an off-the-shoulder dress. Either she's wearing like some sort of shawl or it's an off-the-shoulder dress. So I feel like this is one of her first early successes with Mm -hmm. Laura Debling. And then that ball at Rest Park is him escorting her into some sort of society event like a ball. And their relationship is getting further along. And if it's off-the-shoulder, that's a little bit more of a more mature look. If Debling is making his intentions Mm -hmm. more known. If he is seeing her in that capacity as well and she feels like she's being seen as a potential wife and partner. Speaking of off the shoulder, we mentioned in a past episode that Lady Danbury has an off the shoulder dress. And in the Eloise still, the new one that we got, Violet has an Mm -hmm. almost off the shoulder dress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Marcus, watch out, babe. So that leads us to believe that if all these characters have an off the shoulder dress, most likely Penn has had an off the shoulder dress, which quite frankly could be this West Park photo. And would probably drive Colin even more crazy, to be honest. So that fits the theme. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned how kind of reminiscent of Colin Debling is in this scene. Um, some of his classic outfit points like the long tailed coat, the little pocket watch chain, the high cravat. But I just wanted to readdress the goldness of his waistcoat. It's gold, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like a yellowy gold. And I just think I've written down... <laughs> Gold waistcoat, gold hair, gold heart. Oh, stop oh, it. Because he looks cute. His color scheme reminds me of young Colin from season two. Yeah. The blue jacket, golden yeah. waistcoat. I feel like he's very Colin coated mm. in this scene. Yes. Colin's really going to have to come out in head to toe yellow at some point to win it back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the thing because that very much stakes his 
very genuine interest in Penn. <laughs> if he fucking falls in love with her and can't be with her, I'm going to die. <laughs> he is. <laughs> How are we going to leave it? Like, well, this is another conversation, but maybe he can die. Just a couple of quick questions. Deblingy. If Debling's a conservationist, does that mean he's travelled? And if so, will that be another thing that upsets Colin? If Colin's like, oh my god, yeah, I went to Marbella. He was like, I was in Paris. I was in Cannes. I saw the film festival there whilst, you know, all the soldiers were dying at the same time. And then Debling's in like, this time I was in South America. This time I was in Africa. No, he's a member of the uh, the Royal Geographical Society. He's like a re- renowned traveller. And I am telling you now, I've desperately wanted him to be like, I have this good friend, Sir Philip Crane and Colin just cry. <laughs> we went to Greece together. Sorry. <laughs> Another question. Do you think Debling, because we said that Debling's been called an mm-hmm. outsider and we're suspecting he might be more comfortable in his status yeah. as an outsider and that one of the things he offers Penelope is, come with me, we'll be outsiders together and I'll love you mm-hmm. for it. And we're not sure that that's the best thing for yeah. her. But do you think that he intends to move Penn to the country? That option of being with him would remove her from society altogether and put her geographically distant as well as emotionally distant from Colin. It's an interesting question mm-hmm. because Lord Debling hasn't been in society up till now. So what has he been doing? Has yeah. he been traveling? Maybe he'll whisk Penelope off on his own travels, his own conservation efforts. Or maybe oh he does God. live in the country like He's that really cool or tours. something. Chilling in his butterfly garden if he was a traveler it'd be interesting if colin at the end doesn't really want to travel as much because he's found his home in penelope Mm. he's no longer searching for something as a comparison Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'd be pissed off i'd be like nah boy we're off to italy you're taking me (laughs) to italy right now and this has come up a few times when will the Debling storyline be wrapped up? So IMDb, that good old chestnut has been floating around. Sam Phillips has been added to episode one and episode three. In our Crumbs episodes, we theorise about when Debling would exit the storyline. Yeah. And we think that on Sam Phillips's spotlight, which is like his professional <laughs> acting CV, he seems to only be under the first two blocks. So he only seems to be around episodes one to episode four. Do you still think that that's his trajectory yes uh no oh really here's the thing even with spotlight sometimes they don't update it until after the season has come out and so i think that they maybe wouldn't add anything because the second half of the series is still kind of a mystery to us you know so maybe he is Mm -hmm. there a little bit longer than we think he is because multiple seasons the the plot hasn't really resolved with whomever the character is until like episode seven or eight, honestly. So I think that it's possible that he's probably still there around episode seven. Maybe not falling in love with Penn. I definitely think it's possible. I personally think he'll be gone by episode four. I know people... <laughs> That's so real. <laughs> I think that there's some rumor swirling in the fandom because of his IMDb is listed under the first episode. I'd also like to know that Lady Tilly is also listed for episode one and we know she joins later in the season based on when she started filming yeah. and also he was added to episode three but that's just because the still of him in episode three was released so i think there's a good chance yeah. he could appear at yeah. any time between episodes one to four we think he'll appear probably in episode two not one but we could be wrong yeah but personally from our um crumbs discussions i was thinking that i think he exits the story in episode four and i think it's penelope who breaks things off with him and realizes that she can't be with him because mm-hmm. she doesn't love him but at that, sa- at that same point she's still resisting Colin at that point she thinks she's going to be with yeah. nobody is what I think well this is a question how far are things going to go between Penn and Dublin do you think we're going to have a proposal do you think 
it's going to be very clear that he's going to propose. You think we? I don't think we're going to get anywhere near like a wedding or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I think, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think we have time. I think the story has so much more to cover than being about like, oh my God, she's going to get married. I think the point needs to just be like the threat of him. Yeah. And then yeah. we move on to the other issues in the story. Okay. So I think I just, I think I have a very different opinion. I think that he's probably going to be there till probably around even maybe in episode eight i think that i don't i don't see that as like him and pen are still going to be involved he might just be in the ton or something like that and then it gets resolved like hmm. him and colin have like a conversation where he's like sorry bro she's my girl and he's like i get you bro you know that kind of like bro to bro talk bro out yeah i hope we get a resolution for him where he we seem gonna be happy yeah and i think that resolution would take place later in the season rather than on episode four especially if he's a one season character they like to drag them on as much as they can they did it with theo they did it with charitra's character yeah, he could be similar to the prince though because the prince was gone by episode five yeah that's true they did it with sienna as well he's a little bit more it i think he's I mean, the the prince also came in in, like, episode two. He was a very... So maybe, yeah, maybe. Mm. I, I believe he's probably going to be a little bit longer based on nothing. <laughs> yeah. Based on absolutely nothing. But in terms of the emotional journey, I don't know that, like, the emotional entanglement will carry on beyond episode four. I don't think it will continue. And if it does, it'll be the very beginning of episode five that it does. And then maybe he slowly slinks away in episode six. I do feel like pacing wise, this season, the first couple of episodes will be very similar to season one, which is why I also think that maybe he might leave in episode four. But I think it'll be different in (laughs) that Penelope will break things off with him rather than maybe the carriage scene happening and then her breaking things off. Do you think he'll get as far as an engagement? No, I don't. I think that based on sort of the number of scandals that both Penelope and Colin have been involved with from a storytelling standpoint and especially there'll be future scandals presumably in this season I think that they will probably just avoid that with Debling like I know that a broken engagement is not the biggest thing but if he proposes and to her and they break it off it just seems a bit much a bit too many scandals maybe he'll propose to her I agree with Veg I don't think there'll be an engagement but maybe he'll he will propose to her and she'll Say no. Same. I don't think there will be an engagement. I think there may be a proposal or Penelope may catch on that he's headed there. He hints mm-hmm. that he's going to. Or Debling will catch on that Colin loves Penelope. Oh, and he, he breaks things off even though he loves yeah. her. Oh, Lord. And then have a little kiki with Colin and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you love her. Oh, oh God, that would make us all love him too. I don't think it's going to be like a scandal or anything like that. I think it's going to be a very emotional driven decision yeah. where, oh, it could be a combination. Like you say, Lecky, she realizes that she can't do it because she still loves Colin. And it's not with the intention of I'm going to be with him. It's the intention of I can't, for a start, it's not Mm. fair to you as a lovely person to do this. And two, it's I can't do it to myself. I'd rather be alone and a bit be true to myself. And or debling like you say beans really perceiving as an outsider as well coming in and have never seen them two together seeing that they do love each other and being like i love you penelope or i I could love you and because of how i feel about you i would rather you be truly happy and he's like i think you need to figure your shit out but i'm gonna bow out because i want you to to have the happiness because he's such a good guy i think part of the reason it won't become a major scandal is because it won't be published i think out of respect uh for 
Lord Debling, who specifically doesn't really like being in the limelight, Penn will purposely mm. withhold it so as not to embarrass him and give him a chance at meeting somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Again, coming from nowhere. Absolutely. Bloody tragic. If we're suspecting that this is a kind of conflict that could happen around episode four-ish in terms of this emotional moment and then the breaking off of this particular part of the storyline and the shift into the second half of the season, as we know, the season will be split. And we actually found out a little bit more of that about this from the showrunner Jess Brownell. She confirmed that the original plan was never to release it in two parts and that this was something that was a decision by Netflix, most likely in response to the strikes. But she says that what happened is they didn't originally plan it that way, but Netflix came to us and we had a natural break in the middle of episode four, which is something we've observed before about the seasons. They do have this turn in the season that made sense for them to then split it. And she said there was a big moment between the main couple at the end of the season's first instalment. And she says it's going to leave fans with a lot of time for speculation and anticipation. Mm. So if we're maybe theorizing that episode four looks like this Debling story gets wrapped up. I don't think Penn and Colin are together at that point. I think that messiness happens with them still being apart. But what is this big moment going to be? I think it's going to be the beginning of the blackmail plot. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get that kick in the story. And then are we going to get carriage, I assume? I think we think it's carriage. I think it might be the rejected proposal the rejection because i think they interact with each other very nicely if it's the if it's like the internal Mm -hmm. conflict of like the relationship and then the external if they have the carriage scene and she rejects him you're perfectly setting that up for like he wants to be with her Mm -hmm. protector and how could that possibly be even more heightened than this external Mm -hmm. threat of the blackmail or like some aspect of like the bounty like that ramping up that is an even bigger reason why he wants to be with her and it all just kind of ties in well that we then break There's nothing behind it, and I will be able to give details later, but there's something, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is that someone said, but there's a vibe that there won't be a rejected proposal, and I was always really for it. I don't know why, but I'm Mm -hmm. doubting. That's all I'll say. Are you getting tingly nipples? Sorry? Are you getting tingly nipples? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're (laughs) buzzing away. It sounds like they haven't really had to do much figuring out to make it work that way, and that it's just going to naturally fall that way. Speaking of timelines, are you ready for this week's edition of What the Fuck is Happening in Episode 2? <laughs> Where four clowns try and fail to piece together any semblance of narrative for 302, How Bright the Moon. <laughs> so this is our continued attempts at trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Any updates in terms of the lessons we got new still with the lessons or the aftermath of the lessons? Like you've been having a thought this yeah. week about it in terms of do you think the lessons are going to fall apart after only one lesson? No, I mean, we joked about it that it'd be very Colin. There's the still of him on the floor basically in full view of her assets, so to speak, and for them to have that intimate mm-hmm. moment and for him to snap after just one lesson would be hilarious. But I, I don't think it'll be mm-hmm. that quick. I think something else happens. Mm. So in terms of the hand cutting scene, just to address a couple points in here as well, we're still not 100% sure on the location, I don't think. I know I was very much all for it being Colin's bedroom the other day. Can't decide. I think it's got blue curtains in the room. I don't know where they are. They might just be in the room in the Bridget house. It's the rock still think that he's smuggled around into a different room. The wall panels are actually similar to one section of the drawing room has a more square wall mm-hmm. molding. So it could be either the drawing room or Colin's bedroom. Because it's the same set that's redressed. Because we found the square, the square molding. <laughs> Calm down, everyone. 
the square has been found. It could be Colin's bedroom and they've redrawn and they've like updated it because he's not the main character. So it needs to be a bit more of a... Yeah, because it's like yellow. The molding looks yellow in the picture. Could be the lighting, but I don't know. Also, in terms of the hand cutting scene, I don't know, it looks like he's crouching on something. He's sitting on something. Pen's possibly on her knees in front of him as she tends to him. But, Veg, how are they looking? So we've done a bit of discussion about how they've looked before. But what's key here is about sort of the changes. So people have discussed what the bandage is. Colin's cravat stays on his neck. Sadly. So that clears that one up. And then people are also talking about where they've got this bandage from and if it's from his pocket as it is in the book. So in the book, she lifts it out of his breast pocket. He doesn't have a breast pocket. So the alternative is like trouser pocket, but that seems a bit much. Well... We'll get onto that because uh, who fucking knows these days? With oh, yeah. Two. But Colin sort of looks as he does in the previous scene. But there is a very slight and very significant saucy change for Penn. So if you pause just the right moment in the lessons clip, you can just about see that she has sort of a short wrist length silk glove that's sort of a light green. Mm-hmm. And then in the still, Mm -hmm. she does not have any gloves on at all. (gasps) Scandal. Scandal. How are you saying, are you saying, Veg, that we have skin on skin finger contact? I think that's what I'm saying. And in a Regency drama, that is a big deal. So if anyone's watched Emma Brackets 2020, close brackets, you will know that scene when Emma and Mr. Knightley have their first meaningful dance they're barehanded touching each other and it's oh the heat the tension can't deal so yeah that is the big costume point here (laughs) so do we think she took them off because i was thinking maybe he told her to take them off because he didn't want to get blood on them stop take off your gloves but oh i can't it's too much (laughs) do you think he's gonna get absolutely enraptured by her her bare fingers or what if she takes them off to be like let me try to put this on and he's like no that's fucking mesh that's not gonna do anything (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah she's still got her little necklace thing and sort of semi-related to costumes more of a prop i must pay some respects i guess to a few people who've messaged us about a candle. People have said that in the still, a candle is in a suggestive position. Get your mind out of the gutter, people, but you won't have to stay out of the gutter for long if Luke's assertions about Ep2 are anything to go off. Absolutely, because this is throwing us. We know this scene is taking place in episode two, as, as apparently every fucking thing is. <laughs> what a busy episode. In terms of what you can expect from episode two, in terms of the steaminess... Now, when Kakwin asked our leads about leading on from this scene, the letter scene, but then as a opening two episodes as a whole, Nick said, when I watched it, I kind of went, holy moly, I didn't realise it was that much. And Luke went on to say, we've seen the two episodes so far and we get right into it, like straight away. Nick hinted that it was the tip, tip, tip of the iceberg and Luke continued, it's a real sexy season, not just for us, but for everyone. It's almost like everyone's been struck with a love potion or something. Everyone's <laughs> at it. But Luke said, you wouldn't watch this episode with his mum. What the fuck? And we'll get into Moonlight Pollen in a minute, but what the mm. fuck is happening in episode two? Do we think anything happens in this in this scene? No. No. Because uh, it sounds like they're going to kick things off. I think dream. It's my theory. Yeah, I think there is a there might be a fantasy now, just judging by this, this interview and what was said. I think that there is a sexy fantasy. A wild fantasy. On Colin's part. <laughs> Do you think someone's... Yeah. 
someone's dreaming yeah <laughs> a wild fantasy yeah but i don't think it takes place after the letter opener i think it takes place maybe after Australia. we'll get into the timeline in just a second but but it would kind of there tends to be a dream sequence at some point right mm-hmm. yeah and we did wonder whether it'd be like episode two mm-hmm. episode three it, it's kind of this area but you know it would make sense with the title of the episode and the theme of the episode it seems to be about mm-hmm. the moon night it's got celestial vibes what happens at night the dreaming sleep stay i think the whole thing is gonna be (laughs) his wildest fantasies yeah and then it almost makes more sense for him to have his wet dream his fantasy after the lunar ball right (laughs) but are we gonna have both the flashback and the fantasy in the same episode no i think flashback's gonna come later people are speculating the flashback might be episode four no i still want it to be early i don't know when it would come it could be episode three Mm. but just based on this interview i think that there might be a fantasy Mm. scene isn't ironic that that's gonna be the thing that wakes him up (gasps) well i think genuinely like dreams work because dreams got me into pollen in the first place how's that worked out for you veg (laughs) (laughs) okay so we've been trying and failing horrifically at trying to piece together this episode two timeline it seems like every time we find out more information about it it just complicates it threefold we have quite a few established scenes let's try and assemble them into some kind of timeline. Okay, so we've had a little chat about this behind the scenes. I'm gonna go through it, but by all means, jump in. We can move things around. Again, I can't stress you enough, this is evidently gonna be wrong because the whole thing, I think the entire fandom is completely confused by how much is gonna happen. And then hearing things about the spiciness, it makes it even more confusing. So let's say that the first known scene is the market scene. It's kind of harmless. It's cocky Colin, but he's like Penelope softening around him because like she's looking at him. She's meeting his eye. It's like that water barb 2.0, Lord Whistledown. But I think he's still in control of like this confidence. Like I've got it. It's all good. Beans, it's like that transition-y dress Mm -hmm. that we were talking about a few times that it's still, she's very much still in progress from episode one Mm -hmm. to episode two. We're good with market pollen being the opening that we know so far. Yeah. And then we move into our lessons. We have the remarkable shade of blue scene that came out where we can maybe have the idea that Colin feels like he's in control of the situation. It's very harmless in terms of like, he's like, I'm helping a bestie out. And then the moment happens there where she breaks through to him with the compliment that she gives him and sends his praise kink flying through the sky because he ain't cruel anymore. He's kind. Which means that then within the same set of sequences, we immediately must have the hand cutting scene because they're in the same costuming and everything like that. At some point they go into a different room, different space. And for some reason, probably the journal scene, he cuts his hand. Do you think something happens in the hand cutting scene? Either in his head, it might actually happen. Or do you think there's an almost moment between them? I think they have a moment. I don't think it's like a near kiss or anything. I think they just have another mm-hmm. moment. But I don't think this is the mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. that sparks mm-hmm. the dream. Okay, we don't think we're in first no. kiss territory. Do we think his brain is very slightly starting to crack a little bit? Yeah. So how about then we go over to mm-hmm. Ostley for our little lunar themed ball. Let's head on over there with her empty dance card still not going great her costume slightly changed but he's by her side with his injured hand we've got the Ostley scene we don't know what's going to really happen yeah. at Ostley we don't suspect Dublin mm. comes in just then and then 
post-Ossily. Uh, Lecky, are you still on idea that we're going to have a post-Ossily montage? Yeah, but I have a kind of different opinion mm-hmm. of it now than I did before. Um, so before I thought it'd be kind mm-hmm. of a montage that showed Penelope becoming slowly more successful with suitors, intercut with their lessons. And I still agree that mm-hmm. that could happen, but I think the lessons will be more sexually charged, where in intercut with the lessons, we might mm-hmm. see like little moments of like a hand graze or just like this these moments where they keep getting caught up in each other to this point where there's like a scene where they have an intense moment, a near kiss, like an actual near kiss moment. Mm-hmm. And that is what prompts Colin mm-hmm. to have his dream. And you can continue from here. So do you think this is the point of where what Nicola said, like, I'm not in love with you. What could possibly go wrong? Do you think this is yeah. shit? It's like a doomed yeah. montage where it, we see it starting to go wrong, that their, their plan is doomed. Yeah. For both of them. Yeah. And then they have a a moment. It has to be like a near kiss or something where it's like so obvious that Mm -hmm. Penn panics and Colin, his subconscious can't fight it anymore. And he has that dream is what I think. So do you think he's going to tie himself out from a very busy day of uh, lecturing and hands-on tuition, very committed to education, (laughs) isn't he? Bless him. Do you think he's going to go to sleep? Has the dream. Do you think he's going to have a little Little dream? dream. At the same time, do we think maybe Miss Penelope is... uh, skedaddling through the streets of Bloomsbury. Do you think that if they do have this moment where they're too close, that she's going to go the opposite way and be like, we need distance? Yes. And I think this is where she writes something in Lady Whistledown. I think that she either makes a remark about Mm -hmm. uh, Penelope's relationship with Lord Debling or the impossibility of Pollen just kind of has like a throwaway remark about, Mm -hmm. you know, Colin and Penelope would never be together. And then Colin wakes up the next morning and he's like, I don't want it to be impossible. Like I want, I want to be with Penn. Yeah. And that's what propels him to go see her in the moonlight scene is what I think. So do you think that he wakes up? He's disheveled. He's had the dream. He goes downstairs in his little unicorn-y self. He's got his little fantasy unicorn on. His like, (laughs) his waistcoat is like half open he trundles downstairs reads Lady Whistledown yeah like on top of having that dream he has these words from Lady Whistledown about how maybe they may never be together and it just ratchets up the tension so his brain has exploded and then he's maybe we don't know he's maybe gonna go around the day like maybe he tries to speak to her maybe he can't speak to her maybe he goes to the bar maybe he's like completely frazzled by everything he's that's his reckoning yeah. for him isn't it like waking up from something like that during the window pen moment it could be that penelope has missed a lesson or something like that like she hasn't gone to see him that day yeah and she's gazing out the window knowing that she's written something that's put distance between them that distance between mm-hmm. them, or re-established uh-huh so later that day with unicolin and window pen they transform into moonlight pollen they're wearing the same costumes so we have the ever-growing mystery of the moonlight scene now the good thing about the 301 scene is that it does establish that Penelope can wear her hair down at balls, which means that window pen definitely could either be at a ball or it could be a post ball look like she's gone home or something like that. Um, how are we feeling about Moonlight Pollen now? Her hair is pinned back in the clip that we got though, to be fair, and it isn't in this one. So he looks very mm-hmm. disheveled. Do you think he's maybe crashed a ball? Do you think he's lost his mind and crashed a ball? Or do you think this is a private moment? I think it's a private moment. I'm not sure if it's a ball. I can't say. All I know is, like Nicholas said, it's in a garden. <laughs> and they're in the dark. <laughs> There's a topiary. Okay, so they're in a garden. 
in the dark, there's a topiary that we're still trying to track down. Vegetable, vegetable. We've talked about Moonlight Pen's dress at length. It's beautiful, isn't it? But Nicola used this opportunity to talk more about this and we learned some very interesting bits of information. What is going on with Moonlight Pen's dress? Oh, brother, let me tell you. So <laughs> she spoke in an interview and she said there's one dress that's been in the pictures that have been released we're in the garden in the dark we're quite close that dress i can't tell you the nickname because it spoils what the scene's about oh (gasps) but when i first tried on just the fabric for that dress before it was made i almost cried genuinely because it was just beautiful it was like a work of art Mm -hmm. so moment for the dress woohoo love it uh-huh. we agree it's beautiful this is the dress that she alluded to way back in the Kelly Clarkson interview but 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 oh my goodness what is this scene about what have they called it something happens in the scene that is so important that the dress can be known by it mm-hmm. what are we thinking first kiss <laughs> Do you think it's the first kiss dress? Yeah, I feel like the other option is that this is Colin's fantasy. This is a fantasy sequence. But I think Ooh. that the vulnerability in Penelope's face mm. is too real for it to be a dream. So I think this is the first kiss dress. I don't think he'd be able to conjure that emotion from her. Yeah. From his memories of her, no. I think that's exposing for her mm-hmm. in a way that he doesn't realize the extent of how... Yeah, if you go back like, and watch of, the, the dream sequence from season one where Daphne is remembering the way that she and Simon danced at Vauxhall, Simon is very almost like like an ethereal presence. And Penelope here is, is so mm-hmm. real and in tune with her emotions and vulnerable that I think it can't be mm-hmm. a dream. Yeah. yeah, I think it's first kiss kiss i think it's gonna play out differently than the books they're gonna get interrupted during like the lessons or whatever asking him she's gonna do it like at the ball but i don't know i don't know i think he seems a little too distressed when he comes Mm. towards her unhinged yeah so maybe he's distressed about something else and then they kiss anyway (laughs) i think he's intent i think he goes there knowing that he wants her i'm gonna say i'm kind of at the point where i just don't know anymore you know (laughs) (laughs) should we just should we wrap up the thought (laughs) yeah (laughs) i tell you what though a lot a lot of people even before we started saying it (laughs) it is very much popular opinion that this is the kiss scene like were this a government position it would be Mm -hmm. absolutely winning so mm-hmm. I wonder if if like she has done something like write something very damning to put distance between him and this is what combined with the dream has really like got him into this frenzy and he hasn't been able to see her all day if he's going to her with this intention like you say lucky basically I think that if this is that scene the first kiss scene that I don't think this is like a very sweet moment where Penn's no. like oh kiss me please I just you know do us a favour I think this is a very intense moment that yeah. Penn is 100% wrapped up in and then pulls herself out of it and is deeply upset by what's happened because she's confused so I think this could be we've talked about the rejected proposal but maybe it could even be at this point he could kiss her and do the classic mm. you know proposal of propriety and she could reject it in ep two like it could even come that early i don't think it will be but maybe but, but i like the idea of her rejecting his intentions and being like yeah. no yeah. absolutely yeah. not because then in the next episode she's, she's with doubling which is going to make him so fucking unhinged <laughs> we know that there are so many pollen scenes in episode two yeah and the idea tons. of a, a dream i also like that because it's almost like they're throwing them together so much in person and mm-hmm. even in their fantasies to propel mm-hmm. them into colin pursuing penelope mm-hmm. in episode three is what i was thinking they just need that relationship to move fast and by throwing them together constantly in this episode they get there much quicker Mm -hmm. and it ties back to what luke said 
he was like, it's not just a simple case of, oh, he realizes, great. Once he starts making that journey of realization, she's moving the other way. And at times <laughs> directly pushing him away as well. Yeah. Well, 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 kids. We will be coming back to episode two more and more and more because the more we try to put it together, like the more it unravels. <laughs> but yeah. shall we move on from Pollen and see how Eloise and Penelope are doing? So in terms of Eloise, we did mention her the other day, but Claudia reflected on the level of the betrayal. She says it's quite large. I don't think it's going to be made up quite quickly, but they're both so young. She reflected on how Eloise comes from a very comfortable place and what happened was such a big blow to her. And Shonda Rhimes described this as the second love story of the season. And again, a storyline that we were taken surprised by was that Eloise is going to embrace the Tom's traditions and expectations. And Claudia reflected that this does go against every part of her nature. Something that came to me when I saw this still was that in the background, Violet looks slightly concerned. Like yeah. she's looking at Elle. Like knowing that it's not right. And it reminded me that mm. by the end of season two, Violet has kind of accepted that Eloise mm. wants another path. She wants something else out of life than the traditional debutante role. And that's what she encouraged her at the ball. She was like, I just want you to be yourself. Yeah, and so I feel like maybe she will be concerned by this path that mm-hmm. Elle starts to walk in season three. And Luke Thompson reflected on that and said that, you know, they, we've seen Eloise in a certain way, but we're going to get a slightly different side to her. But then that being an opportunity to discover more. And I did wonder, Jess in the EW article ages ago reflected that they're not ruling love out for Eloise. Do you think she's going to maybe have not a love interest this season, but do you think she's going to be with suitors? Do you think she's going to get further with that or is it going to be more about her in society with like the other women and things like that i think her in society with other women mm. like i mm. said last time i think she's playing the game yeah i think what Penn t- said to her she took to heart she realized that Penn was able to sort of talk about things that she wouldn't have normally been able to so i think that eloise thinks if she plays the game then she can start small and start talking to the women in the town to be like you can realize bigger things for your life I think it's going to be mm-hmm. more of that than romance at this point. Yeah. And Claudia touched on that a little bit and she said everyone's reaction to her is a lovable eye roll but she's trying this other way but I don't know if that's necessarily going to work full time for her either. I don't know if it's sustainable for someone with her character so I think we'll see her internal battle. Mm-hmm. And then we talked a little bit last time about this protective nature that we might see with Colin in particular and Luke said they're protective of each other at the best of times but I think mm-hmm. this has been such a huge thing for Colin as well with all the things that has been revealed in Whistledown which we now know that Colin's moved on from the Marina situation but it sounds a little bit like this is going to come into play with Eloise's perception of Colin and the Colin relationship she is still pertinently aware of the damage that was inflicted mm-hmm. she's going to be mm-hmm. reacting out against that yeah and Luke said it's not like a romantic love triangle but there's a triangle going on there for sure and then Nick said that Eloise and Colin are the two loves of her life mm. which is very sweet so a big journey going ahead for Eloise. So one little Easter egg on Elle's dress and there's been a bit of discourse around it that she's got these sort of big flowers yeah. on her dress. They've Easter egged not actual Easter eggs but <laughs> Eloise with flowers throughout the whole two seasons yeah. so it's a reminder that yeah. these characters might not know where they're going but they're on this journey that will eventually take them to who they want to be. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of people on big journeys this season we have a bit of Benedict who is taken as all by surprise mm-hmm. and there was talk about how Benedict is still struggling to find his footing with what he wants from life and Luke Thompson picked up on this he has given up on the art that was definitely another wound like Eloise that really cut deep and has lingered with him mm-hmm. and he says we're opening with him taking on the responsibilities that Anthony used to have and doing it quite well so he's good at it mm-hmm. but then this is a problem that Luke identifies with Benedict that because he's able to wear different hats because he's able to move into different spheres we've spoken a little bit before about how he's quite a transitional character 
character and that he can move within these different realms but because he can do that it's almost paralyzing for his character luke said there's a nice freedom to that but with freedom comes a slight sense of loneliness it's nice to have the choice to do anything and float about but you get a sense more and more that freedom is a dilemma it's a bit paralyzing and can complicate the sense of who you are i have to give a shout out to luke during this whole panel because he was so scared of saying spoilers (laughs) and he like couldn't say anything and he kept tripping up (laughs) over himself but luke said this impulsive side of him is going to come to a head the pressure that's been cooking in on him since season one is and then everyone interrupted him because he's about to spoil something (laughs) so how are you feeling about ben and we're going to come on to the cantony of it you can bring cantony into it now really but it's interesting that anthony's going to have relinquished some of his responsibilities over his benedict and that benedict is taking that on but also succeeding at it Mm. but that in itself being quite a paralyzing aspect Mm -hmm. well i was just thinking since i did that accidental (laughs) rewatch anthony does address something like that so i think it was a bit of a foreshadow that we never noticed give me a second shush thank you (laughs) he says you know just because you're a second brother doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities Mm. as well or something along the lines of that good point and so i think it's basically benedict again has taken that to heart Mm. and as we have seen so far there are so many similar themes that are going into Every one of the characters, which we have mentioned before, you know, Mm. I think for all of the characters, they are doing that in a way and they're trying to approach Mm. things differently than they have in previous seasons because everyone feels, especially since season two, that there's been a shakeup in their core being of who they are and what they, what it is that they want from their lives, etc. And then within their family. Yeah. Of Antony marrying. Right. And so I feel like with Antony, I think that he's going to have other things that he's maybe preoccupied with and i think that ben is going to sort of take on that role in order to help alleviate antony or maybe antony's even like hey i'm not gonna touch this because i i'm married and i'm chill now (laughs) i think you know they're all going on their own journeys as we've seen it's it's the universal theme of this season everybody's kind of stepping out of their own shadow Mm -hmm. i think we all expected to see the same benedict so everyone's really kind of been thrown off Mm -hmm. by what this could Mm -hmm. mean and so i think i was a little bit thrown off as well but upon watching season two it does make a little bit of sense yeah Yeah, i feel like in the last article we got about benedict they said that he'll be bouncing around from place to place like he has in the past two seasons Mm -hmm. and i feel like we just kind of misinterpreted that we thought we'd be seeing kind of more of the same and it is Mm -hmm. more of the same it's just that he's trying new things and the things don't work for him Mm -hmm. like with beans was saying now he's trying to be the responsible second son Mm -hmm. that's not Mm -hmm. gonna work for him either and there's an interesting parallel between l and ben there because i think the way we left them at the end of last season they both suffered these very fundamental cuts to the things they cared about the most or the Mm -hmm. things that affirmed their sense of self you know her friendship with penelope and her belief that you know she was really like smart on it with the lady with standing before being revealed and made feel a bit foolish and Mm -hmm. then with benedict his loss of art so you have these two siblings who are coping with these deep cuts to them by going this hasn't worked i'm gonna try something else entirely then which is a very human thing to do isn't it is to be like fuck it i'll do exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. we haven't seen much cantony in the promo thus far we did get the photo of them at christmas do you think that's a deliberate choice because it's really hard not to spoil the fact that kate's probably pregnant yeah yeah i think she's pregnant and i think that's why benedict is taking Mm -hmm. over some responsibilities for Mm antony 
So to sweep up our other characters, as we now know, the Mondriches are going to be inheriting a title, which is really exciting. And that Martins among Bray said that they're drawn out of the shadows. So this is something that isn't their choice. It's kind of thrown upon them. And a lot of their story as a family will be how they navigate this new title, this new position. How does it impact the family dynamics? And that Will finds that there's trade-offs becoming part of the ton and Will is going to struggle to stay true to who he is yeah. whilst also being a part of this society that he'd previously interacted with mm-hmm. but had never fully been in. One thing I do love is that mm. the host said that Will has become a confidant of the ton through his bar. I love the idea of like Will's bar being like the place to go because at least there's two married people in the ton who know their shit about marriage. Yeah. So do you think we are going to get that aspect of Will and Colin as a confidant? Maybe I was thinking it could even be Ben and Will at the same time because they're both going through a change and I'm wondering if like part of that is Will maybe questioning if he has to get rid of his bar to Mm. keep up with like his position within the ton and to keep up with appearances because he shouldn't be working yeah he should be working on other things that have to deal with their estate whatever goes on with being titled yeah so maybe it could even be like a bond with ben because they both are questioning giving up things that they liked and stepping into these new roles and new positions within their life um so now upon reflection even though i'd love for will and colin to be friends i feel like it makes a little bit more sense for Ben and Will to be friends because they're both figuring out this tumultuous time within their lives. It might be a case that his bar is like this place where everyone who's struggling within their own storylines mm-hmm. comes in and intersects. So you might get like John coming in, you might get Michael and Will whilst trying to find his own place is also trying to like be there for all these disparate characters. But in terms of Will and Colin, Lecky, we've had a very interesting little tidbit about the two because we obviously left them in 208 with Colin bringing all his friends over to Will's bar, but Mm. still very much affirming that Colin felt there was a debt to still be paid. How's that looking for the next season? So Martins was asked if Will will cash in on Colin's debt next season. And he said, yeah, he does. He does more than cash in and Colin delivers. So I feel like they will be interacting significantly in season three. And he also spoke about Will's bar and Uh. kind of touching on what Bean said about maybe he has to step away from the bar a little Mm. bit. I wonder if it's just that he becomes more of like a manager and is not there all the time but yeah, you know yeah. might still like interact with some of his patrons occasionally because he said the bar becomes a safe space for people to commune Aww. and I think there's a buzz in Will's bar which is exciting to be a part of so I feel like that's going to be like the new hot spot for society to interact yeah. we've speculated before that it might be not just like members of the ton but maybe some mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. like artists yeah. and things but yeah I like the idea about it being a safe space mm-hmm. yeah that's a really nice place to explore any ideas on what Colin might do. Do you think it's just going to be more of the same of like, here's all my pals? Because we know there's enough fucking lords out there to keep Will in business for decades at the rate that we're going. (laughs) Or do you think Colin, who is this character who is going to be stepping into the light, might help bring Will and ease that transition? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And support his family and endorse his family. As a Christian who again has power, and this recurring theme that Penn and Colin are going to find their power this season, yeah. is it going to be in ways like that? Like, I'm at peace with who I am as a person in this family. Let me use that for good. Yeah. Mm. Colin would be a good support for him as he learns to kind of navigate his new role in the town, his new status. 
segueing slightly to the highest part of society we've got the queen and Golda did allude to the fact that yes the queen is going to get bored and when the queen gets bored we know we're all in trouble mm-hmm. she says that we find her bored of what's gone before and searching for something different she's a little bit bored of the women that are curtsying in front of her so we already know that there's going to be a different title perhaps we've all speculated there's an emerald mm-hmm. again what does this mean for Fran then if the queen has been bored of the same old diamonds mm-hmm. is this going to impact Fran's journey again she's slightly more reticent in society anyway but I think we all know that the queen getting bored means that a shake-up with Lady Whistledancer yeah. is on the cards. I wonder if that still from episode one of Violet and Fran is something that could have, it likely happens after her presentation. Mm-hmm. And if there is no diamond named after her presentation mm-hmm. in like the first ball of the season, I wonder if Violet is trying to reassure Fran or something like that. And Fran doesn't really care. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she's clutching her music sheets. She just never really wanted to be in the spotlight anyway. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that scene is kind of showing that she didn't even really want to be the diamond she's been compared to Daphne but she's her own person as well and it's like a a twist on that Mm -hmm. and Kat Quinn asked Golda how does Queen Charlotte's relationship with Penelope change in season three and Golda said so the rivalry continues with the Queen and Penelope I can't say too much what's going to happen they get very close indeed their spaces become a little closer her hand gestures (laughs) were even really interesting she was showing her hands moving in closer like their their worlds are going to collide Collide, like they're just being forced into a confrontation because you've got the Queen who is the center of society the sun almost and then Penelope who has been around in the shadows whereas when she's been drawn in there's gonna be more overlap mm-hmm. and i wonder if part of this overlap is gonna become with someone in common that they're both gonna know <laughs> lady danbury first of all adjua had so many fascinating things to say about lady danbury in this season lady danbury uses her knowledge as her superpower the way to navigate society she's mm-hmm. seen a lot she's experienced a lot and she feels quite confident in knowing that and this season is really gonna upend that because of the arrival who we believe to be marcus anderson and she's gonna be worried about how this new person is gonna knock me off my game are they gonna put cracks in my carefully crafted facade is it going to mess up my relationships with long established and beloved relationships so we're going to see Lady Danbury on the back foot and not in control of her emotions which is fascinating this kind of reiterated for me that Marcus may be a somewhat disruptive figure from Lady Danbury's past mm-hmm. that could complicate her relationships with people like the Bridgertons but Lady Danbury's always had a very close relationship with the Bridgertons and Adjua said that this is because she carries this huge life changing love for Lord Ledger and it forms almost every fibre of her being and we get an understanding of why she's so invested in the Bridgerton family. But in terms of a pollen storyline then, Lecky, I believe we have some updates on the good old Penelope-Lady Danbury relationship. She basically alluded to the fact that they will become friends, that they oh. will have a relationship in season three, which is so, so, so exciting. Love it so much. Adjua said, Lady Danbury loves the self-starterness of Penelope, the brightness, the wit, and she also sees that young woman who's deciding to make choices for her own life because nobody around her is going to make good choices for her. And she said that the love and encouragement that Lady Danbury feels for Penelope, she wants to just boost in there wherever she can, which kind of hints that they may have multiple scenes together. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. We've always wondered about the Lady Danbury storyline. It's such a huge core part of the book. Yeah. But it sounds like they're also just going to have an affectionate relationship. It's not just going to be like she happens to be in the same sphere or mm-hmm. it's just through the Bridgerton storyline. There's something within Penelope that she recognises within herself that she wants yeah. to nurture. 
Yeah. And also in this quote, she said that nobody around Penelope is going to make good choices for her. Mm. And I wondered if that was another allusion to maybe Portia's role in the season, if Portia is going to be trying to either force Penelope to marry off this season or to accept that she will always be a spinster if she doesn't find a match this season or something like that. Yeah. Do you think in terms of Portia, Mm. do you think that word spinster from Penelope is coming from Portia? Mm, interesting it could Penelope has very low self-confidence anyway that Mm -hmm. she may have already accepted that she's going to be a spinster but if Portia is kind of reinforcing that idea and saying like oh you know you're never gonna marry you could just stay with me I I think I think she's coming back with a plan we've seen her arrival in Bath in the Bath Leagues but Portia could have played into that yeah Portia may not have inspired her plan to find a suitor Mm -hmm. but it may just be one of those things that drives her even more yeah you know and the things that are still in the back of her head that mm-hmm. worst part of Portia is the voice that comes out and so if she has that catastrophic scene in 301 where she fails spectacularly that in that mm-hmm. low moment the voices that come out are it's like Portia's assessment of her yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all the main characters. I'm so excited about the Lady Danbury of it all. I think it's very interesting that if Lady Danbury is driven by her allegiance with the Bridgertons through Lord Ledger, but also her allegiance that she might develop with Penelope. I think that's interesting. Do you think she's going to recognise the pollen relationship and push them to each other? I almost wonder if she'll just see some of herself in Penelope. We talked about this during our season one rewatch, but in Lady Denbury's speech to Yun Simon, it's like so glaringly similar to the words that Penelope needs to hear. And the phrase mm-hmm. into the light isn't even in the quote. So in her speech to Yen Simon in season one, she said, when I was a girl some centuries ago, I was afraid even of my own reflection. I entered a room and attempted to dissolve into the shadows, but there is only so long one in a position such as ours can hide. I knew I would have to step into the light someday and I could not very well be frightened. So instead I made myself frightening, I sharpened my wit, my wardrobe, and my eye, and I made myself the most terrifying creature in any room I entered. Come, you can speak, I understand you well enough, and I will help you to overcome this stammer of yours, but in exchange you must promise me that when you step into the light you will be worthy of the attention you command. The parallels between so Penelope strong. and Lady Dibri there are so strong. Yeah. And then for Penelope, almost the purpose scene, it keeps coming back to me about Penelope wanting to find something that makes her brave and witty and that combination of like the Lady Danbury approach with what Penelope has wanted for her life it's perfectly setting up Penelope's journey but that phrase into the light I wonder if that's where it's come from it's come from somewhere and it's very sweet to wrap up a little bit we've left all of our characters we know where they're hanging out just a few closing thoughts a few other bits and pieces so Nicola and Luke talked a lot about the intimate scenes and Nicola reinforced that they serve a strong narrative purpose and Mm. she talked about the vulnerability but how important they are to the story they're not throwaway and they both reflected on how they both felt very taken care of and they felt like they had each other's backs which is so lovely to know that they had a positive behind the scenes experience with that talking about behind the scenes shenanigans they also talked a little bit about adapting the book to the screen and the consideration of the fans Nicola said that they saw some things on social media that fans would really want and they would go to Jess in these moments and to see if they could explore incorporating that how cool is that and that Jess as a showrunner was really responsive to it exciting and so Nick and Eats would be like can we get this in and they try and I'm I can't remember the interview but there was one point where this is where the Mr Bridgerton has been included from (laughs) they're the captains of the ship aren't they they're amazing yeah they saw that the fans really wanted the Mr Bridgerton so that has been incorporated 
Let's all pray we've all been vocal enough about Barclay Square, eh? <laughs> so Jess said that there was a book Easter egg in almost every episode, so be it a scene or a line from the book to look for. And Luke said that they were nervous when there were things from the books because they knew the fans were so invested in those moments being translated to screen. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a lot to look out for in terms of that. And it's so lovely that that was a consideration. We appreciate it so dearly that the care has been put into not only crafting the story, but trying to get those little moments because it's not going to be direct adaptation. We all know that but these little nods are so appreciated. Mm-hmm. And then just in terms of wrapping up, there was a very sweet moment where the cast were able to reflect on how the show has changed their life. I think Martin's mind base said something so beautiful that he said it's given me a lot more hope in storytelling, which is wonderful. I love that. That was so touching. Mm-hmm. I feel like they made it a mission to make sure he wasn't just a throwaway character. Like a peripheral character. Yeah. They've given him an arc every season. They've yeah. taken his character to new places. His yeah. character continues to grow and he so obviously could just be a background character like Lord Fife but their decision to invest in his character and this black family in the town increasing like you know the diversity of the show Mm -hmm. is great Mm -hmm. great. and Adjua said that this show makes space for everybody Mm -hmm. I loved what she said about when she was back in Ghana and someone yes, came yeah, up to her yeah. and she represented her as a woman as an older woman and as like yeah. an African woman I th- I thought mm-hmm. there's so many groups yeah. like it is representation yeah. it's just amazing and this thing because it could be seen as like a throwaway show almost yeah. and Luke Thompson said that it's a holiday but he said this in a very positive way he was like this is a world where you can come back from it feeling a little hopeful a little warmer such yeah. positive representation and Julia said that we need more elevation of happiness I think everyone feels that mm. um, these yeah. days and it's that reiteration that there is a place in the world for all forms of storytelling Shonda said mm. this season leads into the idea of untold stories and celebrating untold stories mm. and celebrating stories that are like love and romance which could so easily be dismissed as less than or not as important and Nicola said make people who feel not seen seen and make everyone realise how deserving and whether they are of love and the closing remarks Adjua said it so beautifully season three is for all us wallflowers I love that it's really gonna be a season where we talked so many times about the themes of light and being seen for these characters but it's also that the audience is taking that away with them as well I just want to hone in on the phrase untold stories is so mm-hmm. interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like at this point it's the third season and Colin is still kind of a mystery he's kind of an mm-hmm. old untold story and mm-hmm. I feel like this also kind of alludes to Lady Danbury's past and how that might be revisited after Queen Charlotte and other things but I really love this phrase untold stories i'm really excited to see how that plays out yeah and and that's the thing the ability to take characters who are familiar Mm -hmm. and to reveal the other sides of them or to be able to give them a voice for their stories is such a beautiful idea So, Lecky, it's later in the week. It's Thursday night for us. We've had a few days. There's been a lot going on. It's been a chaotic week, so I thought I'd grab you on a call, sweep Mm -hmm. up some crumbs with us. Are you up for it? Yep. So, what's been going on? As we know, the fallout from this live stream event continues to ricochet <laughs> through our lives. It's like the never-ending slow trickle of information, <laughs> yeah. but um, more press clips from the live stream event have been released throughout the week. In particular, Nick and Newt stated that they will be going on a world tour between the releases to go meet mm-hmm. the fans properly for the first time, which is super exciting. Luke mm-hmm. also said that something happens at the end of episode four that people need time to digest, with Nicola adding that it's a big moment, a huge cliffhanger. So that really adds on to what Jess was saying mm-hmm. at the event as well, because she hinted as well, it's going to be a big... The natural break. going to be a big cliffhanger. 
Also, in an interview with AP, Adjua said that the season was touching as it was a moment for the wallflower to get her moment in the sun, saying she too had been a wallflower herself when she was younger. Adjua also had some interesting things to say about Colin and Penelope. She described Colin as not flashy. She said he's not Antony, he's not Simon. He is solid and finding his way in the world by traveling and remaking himself from being in the world and finding what excites and interests him. Penelope, she's not the most glamorous or considered the most attractive of the Featherington girls, but she is smart as a whip, she is funny, she is tender, she's vulnerable, and then she ended by kind of inferring that they're both wallflowers in a way. Of Penelope's, Claudia said, it's a big betrayal, but it's a great example of how people fall apart, people unravel, people do things and maybe they don't handle it the best, but don't remove all hope from your heart, babe. <laughs> in an interview with Kat Quinn, Adjua discussed the Easter eggs. Not actual Easter eggs, but like. That can be found in Lady Danbury's wardrobe, hinting that we mm-hmm. get to know about her African origins, an element which mm-hmm. has been worked into her costuming. This also kind of reminded me of the um, outfit we see her wearing in the This Morning Lake. She has this really mm-hmm. like chunky gold necklace. So I'm wondering yeah. if that's maybe one uh, reference to that. About the love stories, Golda said it's always about young love, and she referenced George and Charlotte, saying that they met when they were so young. Being speculated that the subplots will kind of mirror the main plot in a way, so maybe they will explore some pollen similarities between the George and Queen Charlotte relationship as well. That might come in handy when, you know, Colin's having to appeal for the love of his life not to have a head chopped off. <laughs> Adjua also reflected upon the similarities between the love stories, adding that George and Charlotte, they didn't have the most promising of starts in terms of how they were regarded by their families in the wider world, but in coming together, they made a really strong partnership. She also stated mm-hmm. that Penelope and Colin are both kind of overlooked, but the two of them together are strong and strengthened by each other. Oh. And through their partnership, they are able to be more of themselves. And that's not always what happens in relationships. It does with them. And I think it really does with George and Charlotte. Like how much did this absolutely just make you? Oh, uh, this is it. Pollen against the world, right? <laughs> Pollen against the world. This is what we've been waiting for. It's what's been alluded to with things like Tom Verica, but this is it. And it's so true that I love the strengthened by each other. Mm-hmm. as a partnership yeah. and it is it's always them together against everything yeah oh. I always get new details that just make me emotional <laughs> elsewhere Nicola mentioned she took a vase from Penelope's room at the end of filming fans have speculated this could mean that Penelope's room will no longer be needed as Pollen will mm-hmm. have a new set and a new home in future seasons yes plural because Luke admitted that he tried to steal Colin's ring but production took it back off of him because they needed it <laughs> for future seasons yes you heard that right multiple seasons. Pollen in for the long haul, guys. (laughs) But now for some crumbs we are really excited about and are hot off the churro truck on the day we are recording this little insert. A user Mm -hmm. on the Pollen subreddit, Nippleflix, who has a very hilarious backstory about her her (laughs) username, was able to look at the existing season three stills that have been released and figure out the photo locations for the images. This hasn't been officially confirmed, so as ever, clown with caution, but Mm -hmm. the information they found is very compelling as we will get into. Once again, it's all about the metadata, which lists a ton of information (laughs) about each photo, including the date it was created, the time it was created, the actors in each still, and crucially, the set location. Jumper day when you didn't know what metadata meant. <laughs> Blissful. <laughs> This is especially exciting because we've had endless debate about the locations of some of these photos, as you know, multiple episodes mm-hmm. also. But to kick <laughs> things off, the infamous to doom still of Moonlight Pollen, we'd wondered yep. in the past whether this was inside Penelope's house, outside in the gardens, outside at a ball perhaps. Well, listeners, it seems the location for the still, and thus the scene, is exterior Featherington House Garden. So Moonlight Pollen takes place outside Penelope's house. Oh my word. Yes. Lecky, lecky, lecky. And I will tell you why I personally find this compelling 
telling because if you look at the metadata that the user found, it says that the picture was taken on July 19th, 2022. And we mm -hmm. have a screenshot from Basildon Park's website, which is the exterior of the Featherington House in 208 at the Featherington Ball. And it says that they were closed during that time. They were <laughs> closed filming. for those dates for filming specifically. If you want to go on a, a crumbs deep dive with us, we do have a series on them. So we discuss we, we discuss this and we discuss the Osterley leaks, which we'll get to in a moment in Oh Crumbs, What a Pirate. But mm -hmm. speaking of Osterley, what have we got there? So the metadata tells us that the Osterley ball is described as the full moon ball, which is kind of close. Mm -hmm. We were calling it the lunar ball. So we're kind of on theme there. The still of Benedict and Colin from 306 is labeled as being from the interior of Will's club. And mm -hmm. we also just wanted to mention that the dates uh, they filmed at Osterley, we also have a screenshot from their website <laughs> from when they were close for filming. And lots of filming leaks. Yes. And that completely matches the picture of Elle and the one from Queen Charlotte that we just got, as well as, uh, was there one more? Oh, is as well as the, the pollen one where they're outside in the court. Oh, as well as the pollen one. Yeah. <laughs> that little, that little chestnut. <laughs> that little gem. Yeah. And very interestingly, the new still of Penelope tending to Colin's wounded hand is listed as being filmed on the 8th of August, 2022. <gasps> I don't know why I'm so excited by this, but. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. It's like, it's like, we can confirm the filming took place. <laughs> but what else happened on the 8th of August, 2022? Nick posted the Love Island water bottle photo to Instagram. If you haven't seen it, we will share it. But you can see the floorboards of the room in the photo, and they do seem to match. Also, mm -hmm. you can just about see the pale green and blue wall paneling in the back of Nicholas' photo, which again matches those seen in the handholding still. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so excited about this one. Again, filming has been confirmed as being filmed two years ago. Well done, everyone. <laughs> in another comparison, the peplin still is listed as being from the 23rd of September in 2022. Once again, Nick left us a little crumb on that exact date and it perfectly matches. You might remember this photo, we've discussed it before. It's a photo of two boom mics with tiny pollen stickers on them standing in front of a yellow paneled wall with a painting of a gray horse. Fans, including ourselves, previously suspected that this could have been from Colin's room. We did wonder when we saw the pebbling still for the first time if it could have been the same room. I think we wanted mm -hmm. to cling onto the hope of it being Colin's bedroom, but we now know that was taken the same day that the pebbling still was taken. And it really does look like this was taken on the set of the Stowell House. So the metadata tells us that this picture was taken in the drawing room of the Stowell House. The Stowells mm. are a new family for season three, with Lady Stowell being played by Sophie Woolley. We believe she also has a daughter, Miss Stowell, who will be played by Kitty Devlin. We mentioned her in our first Crumbs episode, I believe What a Pirate. We believe we spotted her back at Australia. And Sophie Woolley was also spotted by Ovs at the Pollen Wedding. So we can infer uh -huh. that the family may pop up throughout the entire season. It's a little soiree, perhaps. Mm-hmm. As for the Featherington still, that location is listed as being from the Livingston Home Garden Party. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because we know the actress Genevieve Chenor, previously known as Genevieve Florence, will be playing Miss Clara Livingston. She was also photographed at the Pollen Wedding, and this still is from 301, again suggesting she's one of the new townspeople who will be featured on and off again this season. So another scene confirmed. Yes. There are a couple of conflicting details with the episode numbers on the metadata, which we believe to be typos, but overall the locations and dates seem to match up really well, so we do think the locations are right. The photographs also feature the name Hampstead, which was the code mm -hmm. name for the production of Bridgerton, so I personally suspect they were submitted to TV Insider from production directly, though of course we could be wrong. To me, though, it all seems very convincing. A little Christmas throwback. TV Insider was the publication that accidentally released the Christmas photos too early. Yes. 
Yes. And it seems like these are just like a press source that are getting like mm-hmm. the raw images. So they haven't been processed. They haven't had the data removed. Yes. So yeah, I think it all does seem to align. There's a couple of conflicting episode numbers, but things like the production title, the times, the dates, the stars are aligning. And the names of minor characters who have not yet yeah. been officially announced by the production. Like Livingston, Stowells. Yeah, the characters have not even been mentioned yet by production. Mm. So the fact that some random website would know of these characters when they haven't yeah. been digging for crumbs like rabid fans <laughs> I, I just find it compelling so what does this mean like obviously we now know a few of the events that will be taking place in early season three and and who mm-hmm. will be hosting but most interestingly we likely know the locations of the moonlight pollen and handholding scene we've been up and down since last june trying to figure out this moonlight pollen scene yes how do you feel about it being the featherington gardens i think we we speculated that it might be in our topiary mm. episode <laughs> i'm losing Can't track believe- to be honest <laughs> we haven't slept very much in a long time and i believe in this episode we mentioned also that the focus on the moon in episode two is really uh-huh. interesting it's exciting that colin goes to see her in like a private location and it happens to be the place where he said he would never court her and obviously it looks like he has very yeah. different feelings this time around that exact same location i think that decision to have it there mm-hmm. makes so much sense because she looks so distressed yeah and for her it's like it reinforces it her being mm-hmm. in that space and it's yeah. like a return to their their conflict from last season. And also just the symbolism of the moonlight. I feel like it's just kind of like illuminating their real feelings Mm -hmm. in this scene. And Mm -hmm. for Colin, he's learning something. And the the moon is shedding light on their situation and their feelings for each other. And I feel like this is the moment where we'll have that first kiss where they act on these feelings. Well, speaking of, Becky, we'll get back to the moonlight scene in just a minute. But there's Mm -hmm. one more still that we need to be discussing that we were discussing on the pod and that me and you have been discussing all week trying to figure out. And it is, the handholding scene we've been trying right. to figure out where that room is mm-hmm. what did we think and how does this change it now that we have the metadata we previously suspected that it was Colin's bedroom because it looks mm-hmm. exactly like the feather uh, I'm sorry I always say that I'm just imagine mm-hmm. him at the Featherington house he's not a Featherington <laughs> yet <laughs> he's not yet <laughs> not Mr. Featherington but we thought that it was the Bridgerton drawing room and it was redressed into Colin's bedroom because Colin's bedroom and the, the Bridgerton drawing room are one and the same they just kind of change it up yeah, for those scenes in the past and the wall paneling matches however the metadata tells us that this is the Bridgerton study or or games room. I'm not too disappointed that it's not Colin's bedroom. I can see why we felt that. There's even like a very like masculine <laughs> chair in the background, a masculine yeah. leather chair. But that kind of also supports the idea that it might be a study, which is kind of a place where you might find a journal, perhaps. Perhaps. I should mention, I'm positive this is still the Bridgerton drawing room that they've redressed for this scene. In future episodes, they're not going to need Penelope or Colin's bedroom anymore. So in future seasons, we may see the drawing room double as this study or games room. But I mm-hmm. believe that this is is a new set. They redressed the Bridgerton drawing room for this study, this games room, specifically for this scene. But you had some opinions on the games room idea, I believe. Oh my god, I like the idea of it being the games room, mm-hmm. because that definitely ties back to the psyche of like childhood. It reminds me of, like the nursery scene. Mm, yeah. And that kind of reversion to childhood. And obviously with their story being as it is mm-hmm. about childhood friends. Yeah. I like the idea that this moment where his like brain goes is in like <laughs> I don't know, it could be like a like it could be like a more could like, be like a billiards, billiards room. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I still like the that, that like playful edge to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lucky. In the episode we piece together a bit of a timeline. But in the past and 
think one of the things that like a lot of people have been really struck by is obviously we have the clip that we had where they're left in such a bad place yeah a disastrous place like she calls him cruel and then in the other clip that we have from 302 it's such a different tone mm-hmm. where she calls him kind and she's looking up and gazing how do you think we're going to get from that point to that point like what do you think happens at that ball puts her in that mindset and how on earth we move past that So we touch on this in the episode, but I believe that that altercation is about halfway through episode one. And by the Mm -hmm. end of the episode, there will be perhaps another ball where they run into each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe Colin actually sees Penelope failing spectacularly again, but this time Mm -hmm. he has the context and he he feels guilty and he's driven to to help her. Um, And I feel like maybe at that point she'll be willing to accept his help. But the idea, what I really want, because I don't think we'll see them dancing until three again until 303 i don't think they'll be dancing in episode two i think that they're going to have a dance at the end of episode one which is going to help heal and let go of the conflict a bit yes mm-hmm. i feel like they're going to have a healing dance mm-hmm. i had this idea that maybe colin would be motivated to help her if he sees her kind of on the sidelines of a ball again and realizes now mm-hmm. that that isn't what she wants that she wants to find yes. a husband and that's why he asks her to dance and she maybe has no choice but to agree really and during the dance he takes her by surprise by offering to to help her with her plan or something like that yeah and being genuine because i think there is another part of the conflict to not the conflict but i think there is another part of that discussion to happen because she left and he didn't have a chance to respond and she also didn't explain really what she wanted from the season unless that is announced and ridiculed at the ball so that episode will close on kind of this the formation of the plan happier note the formation of the plan they're again friends because i don't think penelope is going to hold on to that grudge well she obviously doesn't because she's she's completely fine being with him in the beginning of episode two so i feel like they're going to have a healing dance at the end of episode one after he offers to help her with her plan i love that idea because what you have is i think what happens at that first ambry ball is that she has a disastrous night Mm -hmm. she's already in a bad place like maybe cressida said something terrible to her yeah he's there which is the last thing she wants and he doesn't have the context of how upset she is and i think after that scene when she walks away i think that's gonna hit him and he's gonna not not drop that swaggery edge because that's what he has but i think he is gonna sit and realize and be like shit i need to genuinely make amends and i think the way that they make amends is like you say through a very genuine moment of connection where Mm -hmm. he drops that a little bit and yeah. tries to actually speak to her and like you say sees her and genuinely wants to help mm-hmm. maybe because he feels guilty that he's made her even more of a laugh- laughing stop but maybe just because he's a friend and just wants to fix it any way he can yeah i don't think we touched on this in the episode but i also like the idea of there being a confrontation between cressida and penelope in episode yeah. one in that last ball or towards the end of the episode before penelope and colin hatch that plan because i feel like there'll be a really great moment where they could mirror that later in the season where penelope mm-hmm. finally stands up to cressida as their rivalry kind of takes off and that could be yes setting the seeds for what's going to develop across the whole season as Mm -hmm. ultimately beginning as this rival we've seen since 101 yeah developing into Mm -hmm. maybe a blackmail plot perhaps And then just as a final little really silly crumb, (laughs) but this Mm -hmm. Brazilian nail polish brand has released a (laughs) collaboration with Bridgerton. It's actually really cute and a lot of the colors are Pen and Lady Whistledown themed. But one Mm -hmm. of the colors refers to Penelope as the emerald and says that's her color of the season, kind of reinforcing the idea that Penelope will be the emerald of the season. So don't worry, Pen, it's not all bad for all yeah. time it'll turn out right in the end <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the end should we go grab the others and finish up this episode mm-hmm. off back in time we go like i'll see you later 
we've gone through a lot and this thing we probably missed loads out and we will sweep up more along as we go you know there's been a lot to think about it's been a very very busy week mm. but just before I let it go just a question not to say we're ungrateful for all of this like we're like we're going to be eating this feast for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> but <laughs> what's the next thing is there something that you like kind of want to see are you like oh this has really like put me in the mood to like get this still or I really want to see this scene or I really want this piece of information next I want the trailer <laughs> as much chaos as it would bring us i like i was opening up my editing program last night and i was looking at some unfinished edits i had and i was like i don't know how much i can do with these two new clips but if i had the trailer i could maybe do something and i miss (laughs) i miss editing quite frankly i don't think we're gonna get anything beyond what we have for a while now i Mm -hmm. think the next thing we will be getting is the trailer Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. or i'd like the soundtrack i would love that yeah (gasps) the soundtrack that would be just enough to spiral over but not too much Mm, that it will spoil surprises in the show yeah in another recent interview after this event nick and luke said from this point out the pollen fans can expect to receive bits of something here and there a constant drip 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 yeah yeah so (laughs) we'll see how that goes and i'm just gonna say for our sanity we're not going to make a podcast for every tiny drop there is. For my sanity yeah. specifically, <laughs> I think it'll be yeah. more of like a, if we get something, we're going to scoop it up. Mm-hmm. We will cover things when we can. We have our weekly crumbs, like yeah. our tiny little mini episodes where we can scoop things up. Yeah. yeah. Also, I just want to like thank everyone who's sort of messaged us in the last week or even if you haven't messaged us and you've just been clowning on your own like it's just so exciting to see like the support for pollen and how everyone's getting excited and everyone's being inspired to sort of do edits and things like that and just Mm -hmm. yeah it's so nice to see i just feel like we're all in a special little club yeah we love reading everybody's (laughs) like theories that they've come up with on their Mm -hmm. own and and yeah we really we really appreciate everyone who's been listening all of you we've got a lot to look forward to haven't we yeah and as we await the bountiful coming weeks lucky where can everyone find us you can find us at whatabarbapod on instagram and tiktok and if you're listening to us on a podcast app we have youtube videos with lovely amazing collages by beautiful beans and if you're watching us on youtube we're a podcast available on all your favorite podcast platforms and beans my darling beans for a start congratulations on your bagels they were an absolute fucking triumph if i can be honest with you <laughs> they're good i ate one veja took some screenshots i did we're gonna have to share those <laughs> also for you guys the one you're editing i whispered every step that i was doing <laughs> so we'll have a recipe for you coming soon. yeah amazing hilarious <laughs> but aside from your triumphant bagel making can you do me the honor and sing us out babe Incredible, isn't it? Does violin do 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 do